episode number 25 of the Caffeine Crew Cast of Pods. I am your host, Rob. This is the podcast for late February, early March. We do apologize. There was not a podcast for February because life totally got in the way. So, without further ado, joining me tonight, I've got Bill. Hey, we were at Wicked Fair last month, so. <laughs> uh, first time viewing on the show is uh, Craig. Craig Lagans. I'm black. <laughs> <laughs> then we've got Ben. Nuge. Then we've got Deej. So we're really 25 years old? We're a quarter century? <laughs> Actually, we've been doing this for over a year and a half now, so. And Kat. Hi. Okay, so we are going to start the show off the way we start off every other show. So my question for everybody tonight is this. Would you rather be on Captain America's side for Civil War or Iron Man's? And I am going to start with, we're going to start with Bill. It's a no-brainer. It's Iron Man all the way. Because he can make you the most fantastic toys. That's it. <laughs> That's all you need. That's all you need. That's all you need. Bill has a low threshold for vibrant. You go, you go to Tony Stark, you say, hey, Tony, I'm going to be on your side. Make me something awesome. And he says, okay, here you go. Boom. But what if that something awesome is just a delicious omelet? <laughs> that would be fine as well. I all right. I have an omelet well, made by special. Tony Stark. <laughs> yeah, that's right. How about you, Kat? Oh, crap. Um... <laughs> about it because uh, I never read Civil War but he explained actually like the whole background of it and he stuff. He didn't so. <laughs> Blasphemy. Oh, Blasphemy. The good stuff happened after Civil War. Yes. <laughs> so I mean it's that's a really tough call because I'm not going off of like Captain America versus Iron Man it's more of. Do it the, from the, the audience you've seen most of the Marvel Cinematic movies. Based, based off of those movies? movies whose side would you rather be on? Captain America. It's pretty Fair enough. awesome. Upstanding dude. Language. (laughs) (laughs) Really? We're not going to say anything about language? (laughs) How about you, Craig? Uh, Being a a huge fan of Civil War, which was one of the greatest series in comic (laughs) history, not to grasp on hyperbole, but I was firmly behind Captain America then as I am now because uh, superheroes cannot be, you know, government officials. They can't answer to the man, they have to go above and beyond. And uh, not reveal their secret identities to Congress and not have to operate under an umbrella. They have to be superheroes and uh, not be regulated. So I'm firmly behind uh, Captain America. Plus, he's a captain, you know. He can, <laughs> he can rally people in World War II. He can get behind Cap in anything. That's true. Um, teach. So I'm like, I have to give the copy on answer because I agree with points on both sides. Because I agree that superheroes should be trained. Because that's not a bad thing. So you're going to be the Switzerland. You're going to be the Spider-Man of it all. Yeah, pretty much. Honestly, registering superheroes was a good thing. And training them was a good thing. But they couldn't have... You know, they couldn't be regulated by Congress. They should have been policing themselves. But the way to prove that point is not to blow up half of Manhattan. So I'm like, I don't really want to support either side, but if I had to support one, it would be Iron Man. All right. <laughs> Which ben. is really sad because I love Captain America more. <laughs> ben, break the tie. Superman. <laughs> wait, wait, I didn't know that was an option. <laughs> um, we're at a tie? We're at a tie. Yeah, we're right. two and two. two oh, well, no, you haven't given me I haven't yet. So we're I'm going to be the tiebreaker of everybody but the host. Um, all right. I like Captain... I like Iron Man, but both comic book and movie cinematic, I gotta go Captain. Um, for the same reasons that Craig said, 
And and TJ said, you know, it's they shouldn't be controlled by Congress. They shouldn't be under that umbrella. But from the cinematic point of view, Scarlett Johansson is with the captain. No, she's not. No, she's with Tony. She's with Iron Man. Is she? Yeah. Ah, crap. That's <laughs> right. I'm, I'm, still stick, I'm sticking with the captain either way. <laughs> so not only do you lose Scarlett Johansson, but you also lose the new Spider-Man. Wait a minute. I could have swore she's with nope. Nope. Captain in that Clint show. Is. Clint is. Ah, crap. <laughs> so, you do, so you lost... Yeah. Which side is Scarlett Witch on? Uh, she's she's on Captain. Okay, then I'll go with Scarlet Witch. Okay. Even though she is in Olsen, I'll go with Scarlet Witch. But no, for the for the main reason that it's... I, I agree that they should register, but revealing identities shouldn't have to be necessary. Mm-hmm. It's... It, they should be able to police themselves, not be controlled by the government. So, yeah. Fair enough. A, a hero has to do what, what they have to do. I'm going to go Cap as well. So, um, like I said, I still think... As much as I love Iron Man and a lot of the stuff that they've done and how they've built the Marvel Cinematic Universe on it, but even just even knowing the books and the backstory to it, even though I think we're going to get something a little bit different ultimately in this movie interpretation, I still would follow Cap. Like, he's the one that, if you think about it, Tony Stark is responsible for everything bad happening almost in the MCU. Last I checked. Just about. And last I checked, (laughs) Tony doesn't have trading cards. That's true. So he doesn't have trading but, cards. But Captain America has the rallying cry. He's got the best lines in every Marvel film. I mean, even in yes. Winter Soldier, you know, in the elevators. Okay, before we start, anybody want to get <laughs> anybody want to get <laughs> and Even in Avengers Two, man, the rallying cry. This was used at my nephew's soccer game. He said before. He said before they were going out. Okay, if you get hurt, hurt him back. Get killed. Walk it off. <laughs> Quoting Captain America. So, guy said that to me. I'm following him. Cool. That, that's why I cap. I feel sorry for all of you. Because, <laughs> except for TJ. Because y'all gonna lose. Well, you have a traitor on your side. Because Spider-Man, if it's following the books, he's gonna he flip flops before the end. Yeah, he's gonna flip it back. doesn't matter because we have Vision on our side who's got a gem. I win. Yeah, a gem that, according to the trailers of Civil War, he's on his knees from Scarlet Witch. Our side, you lose. <laughs> but, but also, also, and I know Thor's not in the next Civil War movie, but Vision can hold and wield Mjolnir. Yeah. But Mjolnir's That's a good round, so it doesn't matter. Uh, uh, yeah. doesn't Winter matter. Soldier, enough said. <laughs> uh, uh, I was going to say, yeah. we got Ant-Man, anybody? Nobody. Nobody. Anybody, you gotta back me up on that. I would. I'd like your man. I love Ant-Man. I'm sorry. Anybody who I could swiftly punt into the neighboring county, I don't count. Hey, we, know, we know he turns giant man into yeah, giant. Yeah, we already saw the toys because yeah. it's slightly bigger than everybody yeah. else's. He does? Yeah. I didn't see that. I didn't see that either. They got a Lego miniature that's about the size of your beer can. Yeah. That's a bottle last I checked. Oh, well, whatever. <laughs> to, the, to the people listening. Yeah. So anyway, real quick. Um... Like I said, real yeah, fast, drink that. both <laughs> myself, Bill, and Kat were all at Wicked Fair uh, at the end of February. Um, like I said, that is one of the big events we build to every year that we always have a blast at. These two guys had a great time. I had a good time for a day and a half. <laughs> <laughs> we caught the plane. I got one of the worst con creds I've ever gotten from a show. Um, right away, too. Like, not even afterwards. Just like right Saturday, Saturday down. morning I wake up and I'm dying in the bed. Like, just hacking up a lung, coughing up blood. Like, this hotel was like... It, it's a great time, don't get me wrong. Pack a whole bunch of geeks in any place where the hotel decides not to turn on the AC and it's dry. Yeah. It's never a good combination for the end of the weekend. And people share booze. And people share booze left and right, so. Let me give you a hint of how bad this was. We had discussions of, 
do we have to take Rob to the hospital? Because it seems that bad. It was bad. Every and ultimately it was decided, nah. If he dies, it's okay. He died, so. Every time I was telling people about Rob being sick, I was like, because we were, um, we had a balcony view, so like you could see through like the whole con. So I mean, he could sit there, and I was like, he's pretty much like Ariel pressed up against the bus. I want to be where the people are. <laughs> so I got basically the rear uh, rear window uh, or, or you know view of, of the convention for most of Saturday. And, All you needed was a wheelchair. And that's it. Perfect. That yeah. Good. Jimmy Stewart. Would have been good. <laughs> But uh, like I said, we did have a really fun Friday night. Um, you know, Kat, I know you had a great time bending too. Yeah, it was fantastic. Um, this was the final Wicked Fair. It was a really, really great time though. Um, pretty much all the classic performers were there and out. Bill, um, I know you ran around and did a ton of stuff. I've got more audio stuff to cut for you. Yep. I mean, it was it was good. It was good. The energy was there as it was the year before. And unfortunately, that's all I can speak of because I've only been there twice. <laughs> um, it still felt a little... A little more subdued than last year, though, because everybody's kind of like, oh, this is the last, this is the last yeah. one. Um, Unless you were in the ball pit. That was better well, than Well, yeah, ever. the ball that pit. The awesome. ball pit there, there is, to give you guys context, there was a ball pit that was basically an entire meeting room. And this thing was about maybe four feet tall. Um, and it must have been about like 10, 12 feet wide by about almost 20 feet long. And just filled for at least like two to three feet off the ground, just full playground balls. So they just let a whole bunch of drunk people just have fun, and it was just. Phenomenal. We lost one. Of, we, we lost Fesh, who's oh normally God, on the show. That's what I heard. He fell asleep in there sometime Saturday night, and security eventually saw his shoes poking out and woke him up. We went there. We went to the ball pit to try to find Fesh to say, "Hey, do you want anything from Wawa?" And we're like, "Fesh, Fesh," and then didn't find him. Walked away. Two minutes later, he pops his head up. Is somebody calling for me? <laughs> Please tell me somebody at some point did the bazinga. From the ball pit? Oh, my goodness. Oh, that would have been amazing. <laughs> that would have been hilarious. There was a T-Rex in the ball pit. There was a T-Rex in the ball pit. I have, I, we have video of that somewhere. Do you? That T-Rex so. is getting around, man. It is. So, But, yeah, it was a really good time. We have more stuff. Bill already started posting some stuff. Uh, probably tomorrow or the day after, uh, I finished already uh, editing uh, our French and the Funk interview. Sounds great. Bill's got a whole bunch of audio from around the con. Ashley's got a ton of pictures that she's still cleaning up. Uh, that will be up, and they'll probably all within the week. So just check CathyMcCrew.com for all that fun stuff. Um, but yeah, it was a really good good convention. That was a great time. Yes. Well, um, I think, and everybody's really looking forward to Glimmer Dark next year. Yeah. So, which is going to be replacing this con. Um, it's pretty much like the same con rebranded. Yeah, so it's a, it's like kind of like. Uh, uh, I guess they're doing like a fairy con, I guess is the best way to put it, but it's yeah. going to be kind of like, it's a lot of live acts, a lot of fun kind of Renaissance style performers, and it's like good all ages kind of mixture stuff, so okay. it's a good time. Um, but anyway, moving on to the, some of the main topics tonight, I know one of the things we were kicking around was we have all these big movie trailers and movies getting ready to come out during the spring and summer onslaught, but mm-hmm. instead of focusing on them like we've done in the past, I thought it'd be fun to actually like ask everybody what their favorite movie-going experiences, or how they like to consume their movies nowadays. I know there's so many different options. You know, a lot of people still can go out to Redbox, or people love going to the theater on opening night. There's IMAX, there's, there's you know, the D-Box seats at certain places, the Regal, like, you know, premium theaters, all these different options. Well, we actually just talked about this on, on the showcast this past, uh, this past week. There's actually going to be a new option coming out soon, too, called Screening Room, what? in which they are going to allow you to watch opening... Uh, movies in the theaters while they're in theaters from home, mm-hmm. uh, and it's to it's to target a new audience of people who can't people who have families and can't get out like with young kids that can't get to the movies yeah. that often. 
uh, you know, if you're an older person, you don't, or you like, like, you don't like crowds and you can't go out. Um, you basically get, it's $150 one-time fee for a set-top box. That's anti-piracy, anti-piracy, so you can't record the movie itself. And then through that box, you'll be able to rent movies that are currently in theaters from day one. The day, Although I think it's a good idea to still give the theater at least a week of just... Well, the, I think if you're going to launch something like that, you really need to be day and date to make that $150 seem like it's worth it. Yeah. Well, but here's the thing. you Each movie you rent is $50. Ooh. Ooh. $30. Out. Thir- yeah. Well, here's the thing, though. of that goes to the production company. The other 20 goes to the theaters. So the theaters still make money off this, so they're not going to be losing it. However, here's the thing, though. Here's the thing. You make a night of it and invite 10 people over, $5 a person. You have a big enough TV, like the size of your TV with with a surround sound system, to watch... Plus, you get the movie for 48 hours. So you can watch it. I don't even get to keep the movie. Well, hold on. Hold there on. are ways yeah. around the anti-piracy. Yeah. Trust me. Uh, people will find ways around it, which means that torrents that are out there right now, rather than... This box needs to be free. The movie tickets, bucks? $25 max. But that's then, the cost of two people going to a theater. 30 yes, bucks, maybe. Yeah. 50 bucks, yeah, that's, pro- that's a push. The problem with that is it's $150. And even if I invite 10 people over, well, now I've got to feed those 10 people or tell them to roll And you food. tell them to bring their own food and, or bring extra money. Yeah, and bring uh, beer, and then I'm charging people to come to my house. That's the problem. At that Which point, I'm never going why to do. are you just not going to the theater? Mm-hmm. For most people. And I don't see how this would appeal to uh, people with kids that can't make it out to the theater because every single movie I've gone to in the past ten years, it's been nothing but kids there and yeah. parents bringing even their when kids they shouldn't be to there. R-rated and films yeah. and yeah. everything and else. So like, to the no one's who don't like crowds. Yeah. You guys are yelling at me like, this was my idea. <laughs> I know. I was bringing it up. just picking it apart. But Peter Jackson is behind it. J.J. Abrams is behind it. Steve oh. Spielberg is behind it. So Yeah, but that's, that's going to be a movie experience that I probably won't. Oh, I still rather go to the movies. <laughs> yeah. I still rather go to the theater. Well, like I said, that's a good question, though. I was like, all right, real quick, like, everybody, what would you prefer? If you have to choose between IMAX, IMAX 3D, and just... Traditional cinema. What? Where do people stand on that? Traditional like, cinema. Traditional the first time. IMAX for the second. No 3D ever. Yeah, I'm with him. <clears throat> movie tavern. <laughs> that works too. <laughs> See, actually, I went to the movie tavern, and I've yeah. got to say, I prefer the AMC dine-ins. Okay. The seats are larger, Yeah. and there's more separate... Like, when I went, it felt like I was right on top of the person next to me. Really? Which wasn't oh, horrible, which wasn't a horrible thing, because it was my wife. But, <laughs> you know, she was almost on top of the person she was sitting next to. Yeah. Where the AMC, there's about... Like a chair length between you, like they seat you in couples. So okay, there's yeah. two that are close to each other, and then you've got like it's another chair, and then two that aren't. And you yeah. can actually bring an arm down too yeah, if exactly. you're not actual an actual couple. But yeah, like movie yeah. tavern. Like I said, you know, like I would say movie tavern traditional screen because they still do 3D and this yeah. stuff as well. But like I would say still traditional is always the way I like to watch. Mm-hmm. I I mean I really like the depth of field of IMAX. Like it's and just the hugeness of that screen um oh i do too but when you're watching a movie that's so visual like star wars for instance when you have to constantly move your head back and forth to see when the you're whole following scope, action from left to you're, right you're gonna you're miss something, you're, something. You're, so i'd rather watch a traditional first and then go see it on imax you're sitting in the wrong place in the movie theater then well you also have to be there the moment that they open those doors first in line all the way up to the back right yeah. in the center yeah, yeah. 
you need to be yeah. able to take it all in. And that's the downside. Like, I'm sure anybody that's here has been to an IMAX has also been to a moment in IMAX where it's been a bad experience. is equal to the amount of times that they've had a good experience mm-hmm. in IMAX. And it depends on the film. Because I, uh, for me, was I saw Dark Knight in uh, IMAX first. Totally ruined it for me, and then I, I thought, and I had to go see the very so next Batman day begins in a regular theater, and it was like because certain movies work best, like uh, any of the uh, Chris Nolan films, uh, Batman, any of the Batman films. Traditional movie is perfect, you know, just a flat screen, and again, I don't need to see it all over, you know, surrounding me. Now, a film like Avatar or a film like uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, where you, where it is a spectacle, where it is special effects driven, that works on IMAX on a on a different level than it would be on a, on a flat screen, but I could still get just as much enjoyment out of seeing it in a traditional uh, yeah. movie sense. Either way, I think we can all agree that no 3D. No 3D. Yeah. Yeah, no 3D. 3D. Yeah. And that you got to go out to the theater. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yes. Well, it depends. No. I like Amazon. <laughs> Seriously. Because, like, big action movies, yeah. Go see them in the theater. But, you know, a quiet drama, I'm okay seeing that at home. I'll rent it, I rent it on Amazon. Yep. Like, yeah. I do Amazon Digital. I don't bother with Redbox. I same, know. same thing with some comedies, too. Comedies, yeah, I don't comedies need to go to theaters yeah. to see them. Either. I don't need to no. see Hangover in the theater. You know, I can see it at home, or I don't need to see, you know. Well, if it's the Hangover 2, you don't need to see it at all. Hangover <laughs> <laughs> 3. Um, but, like, a quiet drama, like, uh, or, or, or dramedy, or whatever they're called anymore. Yeah, Comma. like... Like, American President. Mm-hmm. I'm using this because it's the first one that popped into my head. I didn't need to see it. I'm not wearing <laughs> I'm my looking, glasses. I can't see I'm that. looking to see if you saw it. No, no. Uh, that was I a random need, one to pop into your yeah, head. I didn't need to see that in, yeah, the, the, in the theater yeah. to get the full experience because there was no spectacle to it. Mm-hmm. That's very true. I mean, yeah, it's but Die Hard, you need to see that in a like theater. Like action and horror films yeah. and stuff like that. They, they draw on being in a massive room in the dark mm-hmm. where you have yeah. the sound playing with your head and all those things yeah. and it adds to the experience. Yeah. I disagree with that because I think any good movie is worthy of seeing in the theaters. Yeah. Like I saw Whiplash. There were three people in the theater. Me, the other guy I went to see it with, and then some other random person. And I was all the better for it. Went out and bought it on DVD like the very next day because, again, it was... It was the Oscar point. Oscar, yeah, whatever. And, uh, yeah, I, I will never look back and, at not seeing it in theaters. See, but that's fantastic. a good movie, okay? I went to see Dungeons & Dragons in the theater, <laughs> okay? And there were two people in the theater. There was me and my brother. And it was a horrible experience well, because it was a horrible movie. When you take a horrible movie, there's nothing that's going to save it. No matter the best theater in the world is not going to save it. You guys reminded me... Um, you were t- we were talking about a favorite movie experience. Uh, I had two, but I would tell you my um, my most terrifying movie experience. And because you guys, Brian and TJ, reminded me of what it was. Um, it was 2007, and it was Paranormal Activity. Had The first one had come out. You know, lots of critics were raving about it. I'd be on the cover of Entertainment Weekly. And uh, I never, during a, it came out in September, but it was like almost October, and I hadn't got a chance to see it yet, but I knew... Like, uh, Shrek was coming out, uh, Spider-Man 3 was coming out. It was going to be a big weekend coming up, so it wasn't going to be in the theater anymore. So I made it a point to go see Paranormal Activity the last day it was going to be in the theater. So it's 2007. I went to um, Multiplex, and I sat down, and it was a three. I went for a 3 o'clock show Thursday afternoon, 3 o'clock show to see Paranormal Activity. I was by myself. 
310 movie doesn't start i have to go to the manager and tell him i'm in the theater could you start the paranormal activity is supposed to start at 3 oh. 310 <laughs> so i go back in there still waiting i watched all the paranormal activity by myself in an empty theater so the movie was scary enough for watching a scary movie in a theater by yourself was the scariest experience I've ever had in any movie there anywhere. And it wasn't until... You can I, imagine that, actually. Oh, my God. And again, the movie was scary enough. Even if I was watching it with a group of people, Blair Witch was another, was the opposite side of that. Uh, because I saw it the opening weekend. And it in wasn't a, scary at in all. In a packed theater, it was scary as shit. And when the movie ended, and the fade of the black, and the credits went out, nobody moved. <laughs> nobody said a oh, wow. thing, and nobody moved. It really? wasn't until it me. wasn't until <laughs> um, somebody opened the door to leave, and it was four o'clock in the afternoon, and the sunlight came in and like bathed over everyone. It's like, oh shit, it's daytime. Let's go, we can go. And that's when everyone stood up and started talking. But nobody moved after that. After the Blair Witch was over. Everyone sat in the dark and nobody said anything. Nobody did they were anything. Just so they just exactly <laughs> find some. But that was my uh, most memorable experience. My <laughs> most memorable experience was uh, I. And my wife is going to throw things at me when she hears this. Uh, I was not a huge Titanic fan, uh, but I went to see it with my father, my stepmother, my sister, and my grandmother. We're all and we're in this packed theater. And everybody, and spoilers on, just in case you haven't seen the bloody movie, <laughs> when Leonardo DiCaprio dies, what? The entire theater is silent. And then you hear this. <laughs> and then my dad going, Stop that, you're going to have a flinch. So you were the one clapping. Yeah, I was the one clapping. Yeah. Okay. You left that part out. Because <laughs> everything, all of a sudden you hear this. Like, but I'm doing it. So <laughs> it was. Because at that point, it was just, like, oh, thank God, the man's dead. That means the movie's over. Oh, also, oh wait, there's still a half hour left of this? She had to throw the jewel. Yeah, I know. Um, well, like I said, I, I think, I, I would say best experience is, like I said, not the best movie, but the best experience, Star Wars Episode One. It was okay. the lead-up of that day. It was getting to a theater at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, like, leaving school, darting down with friends... Getting in this massive line and everybody just being like, you know, absolutely thrilled and excited that they're going to see Star Wars. People are dressed up. People are having lightsaber fights in the parking lot. You've got Jedi's people, uh, people dressed up as Darth Maul. You know, pizza guys are coming left and right constantly <laughs> to deliver food. And everybody was just on this high. We all got into the theater. Movie starts and the 20th Century Fox fanfare kicks up and just the theater just erupts. And it was amazing. It's one of those things you just can't get a replication of that feeling when you have the perfect crowd dynamic, people there to see the exact same thing you are, and they're all just as equally excited. There's nothing that beats those midnight openings for something that matters the most to you. Um, So, yeah, I mean, it's one of those things. Granted, when we all left that theater, all of us looked at each other, got quiet for a second, and I was like, well, so that was good, right? (laughs) (laughs) And everybody's like, yeah, 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 that was good. Hey, guys. What if it sucks? <laughs> yeah. But it's that, I mean, and me and Kat got to do that together for the final Harry Potter film. We all got decked that was out. really fun. We got to see yeah. it up in Oaks, and That'd we had great. an amazing time. I mean, everybody was just dressed to the nines, ready for that night, and you're in this theater where there was nine to twelve, I think, 
like you know midnight showings all sold out, all mm-hmm. going to start at the same time. The place just erupted, and it was so much fun. And you just can't carbon copy those feelings. Mm-hmm. That was now I'm going to out myself as being the old bastard of the group. I had the exact <laughs> same feeling you had when I saw uh, Superman in the theater. Classic Richard Donner. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, awesome. 1978. I was just turned 12, and this was the greatest thing I'd ever seen. I was in I was in the balcony in the theater at the Fox Theater. It's an 18th and uh, Market at the time with with my mom, um, begged her to come to take me. When you saw when the John Williams score started, and when you saw the big S on the screen, and it wasn't even say Superman, just the Superman emblem just came out, and the place just erupted in applause. And I was like, and I was like, Mom, it's okay to clap? I said, yes. <laughs> I still get goosebumps talking about it. I still get goosebumps when I see it on the on the small screen, even just looking at it on my phone. The score and just the the big red S on the screen and the, the when the John Williams score just hits a crescendo, everyone's cheering. The first time we see when Christopher Reeve turns into Superman, more applause. Everyone he flies for the first time, just um, re- defines who you are. It, it, it's because you're young, because you're experiencing something for the first time. You're experiencing something with an audience and everyone's connecting on the same page. I was the youngest person there. Like I was the only person like the film was made for. I was twelve. <laughs> I'm seeing it with my mom, with thirty somethings, with you know forty somethings, with people that you know were all were Richard Donner fans or were um, fans of the the old TV show. So it was it was that's what made being a being a fan of a being a movie fan. That's what made you a movie fan when you get that connection with an audience and you know that feeling of goosebumps you get. I missed out on that, but I got it a little bit when I went to go see uh, Superman Returns. In the mm-hmm. theater, because it was sort of similar to the John Williams score. In mm-hmm. uh, but my three, I actually have three, and two of them I'll go through quick. But um, I got to see uh, Hot Fuzz and The World's End in a theater. I know you're still <laughs> jealous Son of that, of bitch. <laughs> but I got to see Hot Fuzz and The World's End in a theater full of just nothing but fans of those movies. Plus Simon Pegg, F- Edgar Frost, and or Nick Frost, and uh, Edgar Wright being in the theater at the same time doing it. That was obviously... So at this point, we're throwing Ben out. Yeah. <laughs> um, my second favorite experience, actually, was I got to experience a little bit of the Star Wars with Episode Seven, and I got to do that with you guys. I had never done the opening day of Star Wars, really get there fun. and wait in line for five hours just to get the best seats in the theater, um, you know, and just everybody hang out, even though... I wasn't there for five hours. You guys were. I actually <laughs> left for two hours to go pick somebody up and then bring them back. Um, but just being in the theater and seeing, hearing the score and seeing the the, the Lucas Arts or Lucas Films pop up and, and such, that was a cool experience. However, I just recently had a new experience uh, that Craig's going to hate me for because Craig was supposed to be there for this and he couldn't make it. Um, I just Wednesday night went to a screening of. 10 Cloverfield Lane. I'm a huge horror buff. Love horror movies. But I, I, I've grown to not like going to see horror movies in theaters lately because they don't scare me anymore. Like, I don't jump. Everybody in the theater jumps around me, but I don't jump. It's one of the reasons why I said Blair Witch didn't scare me because okay. it didn't scare me. I'm so desensitized to horror. But in, the, oh, but in the first 10 minutes of this movie that I'm jumping out of my skin... I'm invested now. I'm like, that's the first time that has happened to me in a long time in a theater. I'm in. And I got, I jumped at least another three or four times out of that movie. The movie was amazing and it was the first time in probably over a decade I had a true horror theater experience where when I jumped, the whole theater jumped. 
there were shrieks, there were people like pounding their feet on the floor in anticipation and, and nervousness, and I I loved every second of it. It brought me back to when I used to go back and watch horror movies like in the eighties and nineties in theaters, and I I missed it so much. And that movie brought every sense of it back to me. Okay, it's my turn. That movie didn't scare me at all. <laughs> Did you see it? <laughs> yeah, so and it didn't scare you at all. Didn't uh, jump. Damn it, you did. Mine was probably um, Lord of the Rings. That was a scary Because I was the scariest. Because <laughs> I was always a big book fan, and so I grew up reading the Lord of the Rings books and stuff. So seeing them in theaters was really, really amazing. Even though the third one, when we went to see that, we I think we snuck into that one because we had, like, they sold out of tickets, and so we bought tickets for, like, Mona Lisa Smile or something. So we went to go see it. We were really early. Yeah, totally. And, um,. But I guess the third, the person we had been waiting for, so we got our seats, but then they showed up, like, actually on time, and so there were no seats left. Like, they weren't letting you hold seats or anything like that. So I ended up, because I'm the smallest one, having to sit on laps the entire time or, like, squidge in. It was so uncomfortable. <laughs> wow. <laughs> it was really yeah, I just looked at my friend and went, oh, well. <laughs> <laughs> Places. Yeah, my, I think my worst viewing experience was actually, I think it was Two Towers, or no, Return of the King, because we saw it in IMAX, we got there, and I was like, guys, we, I'm like one of those people, like, my wife can attest, when it's time to go to a movie, I'm really, I drag my feet leaving the house for anything, movie time, I'm like, movie yeah, starts in two go. hours, yeah. we're leaving <laughs> exactly at this point, so we can either be there 45 minutes beforehand. Mm -hmm. So the people I went with when we saw this, like, it's five minutes down the street, we'll leave ten minutes before, we got there, IMAX, of course, mm -hmm. so front row... Far left. Oh, Lord. Can you Lord. imagine attempting to watch Return of the King? Two no, hours and 45 minutes. Again, it's, oh it's one of the God, reasons why I say standard, standard yeah. screen. I probably would have gone and asked for my money back and gone, listen, I just don't want the ticket anymore. Yeah. <laughs> I'll come back later. Um, I say my memorable stuff has to come down to the theater. And unfortunately, I haven't found a theater that does this for me. Since I left Maryland, actually since this theater. Nobody gives foot massages, man. <laughs> Shut <Nobody>. it. <laughs> I like a good foot massage while I watch my movies. Damn it. Um, no, but it's, and, and unfortunately this theater isn't even, a, it's only a shell of what it once was. It is the Senator Theater down in Maryland, down in Baltimore, Maryland. Mm -hmm. I saw two movies there that were absolutely fantastic viewing experiences. One was A Dirty Shame, a John Waters movie. Only because we're waiting in line, waiting to get in the theater. I look up in the balcony section. I'm like, that looks like John Waters. That is John Waters. <laughs> and then the other one was probably the last movie they showed at the Senator before it got sold and closed down um, to be remodeled in the terrible, terrible shape that it is now. And we saw Blade Runner. They had the like the extended, like the extra, like. 20, 30 seconds or whatever it was of Blade Runner. And they oversold it and people were sitting just in the aisles not caring about fire codes or anything like that just so they could see the last movie that ever played at the Senator. And it was amazing. Like, this theater was fantastic. And I weep for the fact that it's not really there anymore. Mm-hmm. Sometimes the off-the-wall theater experiences are some of the best ones. Yeah. Well, there's nothing better than, honestly, like, if you can find a theater, and every once in a while people have this chance to do this, where there's an old actual theater house that wasn't a movie theater that gets converted, 
And getting to see a film in one of those places where there's the old sconces and like yeah. you go, you have the opera boxes that are still there, and being able to see a theater in one of those places because like. You'll never hear sound like that. Well, not only that, mm-hmm. but going to see movies you never thought you'd have an opportunity to see in theaters, like Blade Runner or Dirty yeah. Shame. Mm-hmm. Like, I went and saw the Evil Dead double feature up at Alamo Draft House in Yonkers, New York. I went all the way to Yonkers just to see an <laughs> Evil Dead on 35mm. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, of Evil Dead and Evil Dead 2, and it was amazing. That reminds me, Batman 66 mm-hmm. is it's showing at the movie, movie tavern tomorrow night and Wednesday night. I know, I know. <laughs> And there's a big part of me that really wants to go see it. At the same time, I'm like, do I really want to pay money to see this? <laughs> I have it on Blu-ray. I do, too. Watch it. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's one of the things you put in your collection and you're like, I don't know when the next time I'll ever watch that. There's going to be that moment, three years, it's like a Tuesday night at like 9 o'clock. I'm like, guess it's time. Oh, oh we'll I'm be watching that. it on the outdoor screen <laughs> in your backyard. Oh, I know exactly when I'd watch that again. When, I've got ki- when my uh, kids are old enough or when my nephews are old enough. Uh, or when, you know, my friend's kids are old enough, I will sit them down and say, this was what they thought Batman was in the 60s. <laughs> Drugs were prevalent, but it's so enjoyable. And Adam West, I'm sure, was on most of them at the time. <laughs> Him and Burt Ward. Yeah. yeah. You know the Burt Ward story, right? About the, the Batman, when Batman and Green Hornet, and Batman and Robin fought Green Hornet and Kato. You know yeah. the story? Okay. Yeah. The, I don't think I, I knew that one. You know the, well, <laughs> <laughs> tell you a uh, quick Batman sixty six story. Um, when uh, Batman and uh, Robin were the biggest show on network TV, and celebrities would beg to be on the show just because it was camp, it was fun, it was a hip thing to do. Uh, they wouldn't do a spinoff. I know we're gonna talk about spinoffs later. Um, was uh, Green Hornet and Kato? Kato being Bruce Lee, you know, master of, of self defense and greatest fighter of all time. In the original script of Batman, uh, Batman and Robin face Green Hornet and Kato. And in the original script, Robin beats Kato. So Bruce Lee reads this, and um, this is Van Williams, who plays Green Hornet. This is his account. He hears doors slamming, tires squealing in the parking lot. Bruce Lee takes off. He's left the set. Okay. Van Williams calls him at home, begs him to come back, saying they're rewriting the script right now. Robin versus Kato ends in a draw. So Bruce Lee reluctantly comes back to the set, and they're getting ready to shoot the big fight scene. Now, in, when I watched it on TV, I was... I'm an old bastard, so seeing on a TV was the greatest thing in the world, Batman fighting Green Hornet and Bruce Lee fighting Kato. So when they get ready to shoot the fight scene, Burt Ward sees that Bruce Lee is still pissed off. So Burt Ward is afraid, rightfully so, that when the director yells action, <laughs> that Bruce Lee is going to fight him for real. So Burt Ward locks himself in his dressing room and refuses <laughs> to come out. Until he's assured that Bruce Lee will not fight him for real. <laughs> so after much cajoling, he comes out. Bruce Lee convinced, I'm not fighting you for real. I'm an actor. Let's just do the scene. They do, and, of course, if you see it now, it's all over YouTube now. Them, you know, fighting. No punches were thrown in, in anger. And no one yeah. was hurt. Burt Ward's alive to this day because Bruce Lee didn't fight him for real. But for <laughs> during the, on the set of that. There's some amazing <laughs> old stories from there. My favorite is still the second day of filming on that show where Burt Ward got blown up accidentally. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you, you hear the, re- the uh, I heard this one recently. Burt Ward is, has, since since Batman has gone off the air, has come out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. Do you know he stole one of the Batgirl costumes? No. Really? Yeah. yeah. No, one of Yvonne Craig costumes? Yeah, he, he stole one of uh, the Batgirl costumes. It was one of three. When they did the um, equal pay PSA uh-huh. a few years later, the... Only person who didn't come back was um, 
uh, Adam West. He was oh. trying to escape the Batman thing at the time. Yeah. Um, and the actress that played Batgirl, what was her name? Yvonne, Yvonne Craig. Yvonne she just, Craig she just, just said uh, she would come back and do it, but only if they could get one of the original costumes. So they go scouring everywhere for the original costumes. And finally, on the day of the shoot, Burt Ward, who was producing and directing it, shows up at her room with a costume that apparently had been stolen off the set by a friend. (laughs) (laughs) And the friend wanted it back after the shoot was done. Wow. That's awesome. (laughs) Did not know that. Like I said, does anybody have any other last-minute fun movie stories that they wanted to share before we move on tonight? When you talked about the uh, seeing a movie in the old theater, um, in 96, I went to the old Devon movie theater in the North. I remember this place. It just, just to see Twister, because it was on the big screen. That was uh, the Eric, I think it was. Yes, 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 mm-hmm. yes exactly where mm-hmm. it was, and just... And, of course, the movie was shit, but the actually seeing it <laughs> in that theater made it memorable. Oh, yeah. yeah. Some of those old places were fantastic. I used to go there as a kid all the time. So. Okay. Uh, well, actually, one of the other big topics we want to talk about tonight is um, spin-offs. Um, we're kind of in a culture now where there's so many things that we have fallen in love with, whether it's through books, TV, games, movies, are spin-offs of other properties now. Um, I know, for example, one of the things that made me really think about this is me and Kat is our... Background show for the last couple of weeks has been Frasier, which is a good spin off of Cheers. Yep. It's a great background show to throw on some I've never yes. seen Cheers. Oh! <laughs> it's okay, Kat. I haven't either. Oh, thank you, Bill. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but you haven't seen half the movies that we've seen. You still get the references, though. That's true. You get the references. You get this the references. one doesn't. Because yeah. I haven't seen them. Neither has Bill. He still gets the references. So I don't real- know how. It's so culture. It's called a <laughs> yes. So real quick, what are some like what are some of our favorite spin-offs? And Flash. Can, totally. And don't forget, yeah. this can also so you be, can't see me, I'm pointing at Ben. <laughs> yes. This can be books, this can be video games, because this covers the gambit of pop culture. Uh, spin-offs have existed for the longest time. Yes. So who wants to dive in and go first? I, I will start with an old school one. Um going back even further than Frasier spinning off of Jeez. Cheers. Uh, one of my favorite spinoffs, and mainly because of the actor that's in it, but I still watch old episodes to the, to this day, is Mork and Mindy, mm-hmm. which was a spinoff of Happy Days. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I still, to this day, love that show. That's I, still I think an amazing it's show. hysterical. Jonathan Winters, man. Yeah. <laughs> who wasn't in many episodes. He wasn't, he but was he was only awesome. in like one episode. <laughs> he, 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 uh, and that was who Robin Williams begged to be on the show. Yep. This was the last season of Mork and Mindy, and because they... Not struggling in the ratings, but they really wanted them to do something. And like the TV formula for every TV show, when it's flailing, you add a baby. And Cousin Oliver, you know, on different. So they add. They added Jonathan Winters, like sixty-five-year-old Jonathan Winters, as Mork's son. (laughs) And you know, and even they both said, you know, the the episodes weren't you know weren't doing well, but they had a blast. And the stuff that they didn't film was even was <laughs> we'll never know, but was just those two riffing off each other. Robin Williams and his childhood hero Jonathan Winters, and uh, yeah, I didn't mean to step on you, Ben, but happy no, days, it's fine. Happy Days gave birth to a lot. Uh, happy Days, Laverne Shirley, Shirley, Johnny Lachachi, yeah, yeah, out of the blue. Wasn't there also one from Arnold's? I think at one point you would know better than I do, but. Uh, uh, no, I mean they changed. Um, they tried to make. Well, Al became on uh, Joni Lestrachi. Okay, and uh, they carried the uh, Arnold franchise I, over. And I over still there. love to this day too the story of how Robin Williams got that job. 
of of Mork on Happy Days, and it's basically they were interviewing different people, and while he was waiting to be interviewed, they said, you know, try something different because nothing's working for all these other people that are interviewing. They let him into the office of the producer that was that was auditioning, <clears throat> and when the producer came back in, Robin was stand was sitting on his head in the chair, didn't say a word, and that's how he got the position. And you know, and who, he does that in the show. Yeah, <laughs> and you know who recommended him? Who saw it? Because the original actor that was supposed to play the Mork part didn't show up. It was Al Molinaro who who said, "Why well, I know this kid named Robin Williams would be pretty good at it." And the rest is his. Robin was on a lot of drugs at that time, <laughs> life too, which definitely shows. Well, he just came off of, of Laughing. That was the when they revived Laughing in the seventies, and that was all just you know the whole that whole cast and that whole uh, the whole sketch show was just. You know, one rapid fire after Joe, and you can tell the people who wrote this and the people who are acting in it were currently on something. But from from uh, he got laughing, he that's how he got um, Mork and Mindy, and that's that was but yeah, another show that he did too. And now we're both showing our age, but um, <laughs> another show that he did an episode or two of too that had its own spinoffs at the time too was um, the Carol Burnett Show, yeah, which spun off into Mama's Family, mm-hmm. which uh, with um, with Vicky Lawrence mm-hmm. and. I mean, there's so many classic spinoffs. I mean, there's a lot of great spinoffs now too. Yeah. I, I still love some of the some of the classics. How about you, Kat? What are your What are your, some of your absolute favorite spinoffs? Uh, one of the recent ones I didn't realize was a spinoff was Warehouse 13. That was a spinoff of Eureka, right? Yeah, it was. Yeah. It did spin, yeah, spin out of Eureka. Mm-hmm. Um, I think of other ones. Well, what specifically like that drove you to that? Was you know. Huh? What drove you to Warehouse well, 13? Was Warehouse 13 a spinoff or was it just a crossover? I think it was just, I think a, it was just a crossover. I don't think it was a spinoff. Of where, okay. They did do one or two crossovers, but I don't think it was a direct spinoff of Eureka. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I wasn't sure because we never watched yeah. Eureka. So. Eureka it's was actually, a great show. Yeah, Eureka, no, Eureka was really Eureka. good. And it ended too, which was really nice. Yeah, there was a nice, a nice it, ending to it. There was a nice ending. They left room for more story, but it ended. Unlike a lot of the shows I tend to watch these days. Well, I mean, I think as far as spinoffs that for me, I gotta say, oddly enough, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, because that spun out of the movie. Yeah. That was never uh, meant yeah, to be anything else. So, Angel, too. Angel, Angel was a spinoff yeah, of Buffy. Of Buffy. And they're just, you know, that's how we got Joss Whedon as much as we did. I mean, he's already, mm-hmm. he did our writing jobs with other projects at that point, but mm-hmm. I mean, that's when he kind of became part of the cultural lexicon for, yeah. for geek culture. But I mean, this is those shows that just went on for years and years and. So many yeah. memorable characters that we just absolutely love to these days. There's the Rise a, of the Silver Surfer. No, <laughs> very, uh, very short-lived spinoff called Found. That was a spinoff a lot, but it really wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> but you can count on one hand the amount of movies that became successful TV shows because that was something that that Hollywood's been trying to do forever. I mean, for yes. every for every Buffy and uh, um, Odd Couple, Mash. Alice, yeah. you've got Delta House and The League of Their Own and the, My Big Fat Greek Wedding and um, Blue Thunder and Starman and Friday the 13th, the series. And Minority Night- Report. Nightmare on Elm Street, the series. And, my- and Minority <laughs> Report. Yeah, but and if you look at next season uh, on television, we'll seem to be getting a lot of those, including a Lethal Weapon show. Lethal yes. Weapon, and, Rush, uh, Hour. Rush Hour. Yeah. Yeah. Rush Hour. Rush Hour, yeah. Lots of odd ones. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah, but Buffy, as far as the movies that become TV series, Buffy is a great... So I'm trying to rack my brain for gaming stuff because I, I, I really want to wedge this in there, and it's I got a good one for gaming too. So it's all right. And and I unfortunately I did just you know cheat a little bit and I looked up you know the best video game spinoffs, um, <laughs> Super Mario RPG. 
Yeah, mm-hmm. which yeah, I mean, the it was one, like the school. You're talking the Legend of the Seven Legend Stars. Legend of the Seven Stars. The square. Oh Enix my meme. god, so yep. fantastic! Um, but the, really, the biggest one on this on, on the list, and, and to me, honestly, Yoshi. No, not oh. Yoshi. <laughs> that would kill though. Yeah. That is a spin. Portal was a spin off of Half Life. Yeah, I mean, Portal <laughs> is a goddamn such an amazing yes. game, and amazing concept. The, it's a tie back to an early discussion. The director of Ten Cloverfield Lane is the guy that made the uh, the Half Life Half Life short yeah. film, and is most likely the one that's doing the J.J. Abrams Half Life and Portal movies. Oh man! So when that news <laughs> broke today, the internet went absolutely nuts because everybody's like, "Oh God, Half Life Three! <laughs> what do we do?" And nothing. It's called wait. Exactly. <laughs> it's going to be a lot of waiting, forever. like it used to be, and <laughs> like it will still be in the future. Well, I mean, for gaming, for me, one of the ones I never thought was uh, a game called Tales from the Borderlands. Borderlands is mm-hmm. a big uh, mm-hmm. FPS game that a lot of people have been playing. It's got three, like three versions: one, two, and pre sequel. Uh, and they made this little Telltale games uh, just a year ago, and it was just one of the traditional Telltale style games, which like the old school point and click adventures that I grew up with, like from LucasArts and Sierra, but in the Borderlands universe. And it was just this amazing spinoff where it said, here's other characters that exist in the universe that you know, but here's a whole new story with a new group of adventurers. And it's just like watching a TV show. You just get sucked in and fall in love with it. But it was one of those spinoffs that I want a season two of that. That's the one of the things I would kill for. Talking about like desktop adventure games, like... Indiana Jones desktop adventures, mm-hmm. Star Wars desktop adventures, the old, all the old LucasArts. I can do, I can do a, a oh six-hour show on a LucasArts. I know, I know, man. <laughs> I shouldn't bring you down. You should, that you, should, you, should not, you should not open that can. Of but actually, not, another another one, uh, and it was this was a big Super Nintendo title that has progressed on through the years. Donkey Kong Country. Yeah, Donkey Kong Country was a fantastic well, I mean, game. It was. Donkey Kong Country is a huge spinoff of yeah. what we all go back to 1982 when you think about the original Donkey Kong in the mm-hmm. arcade game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, that has made its appearance at Extra Life for us this past year. That was in our championship that round of you and Ben. Fantastic game. I know, and I was so close to oh, beat God, you. Oh, God, you got me. You know, that I had you worried. So much. I was worried. so worried. It was so oh, funny. I, I, I like hate a... going back to that, too, but it was so funny because when I heard the last game was Donkey Kong for the championship, and I knew it was going against Bill, I'm like, oh, Bill's got this in a second. And then all of a sudden, I'm getting through one through one level, and then the next level, and the next level, and the next level. And the whole time I'm hearing that, I'm hearing Bill, son of a bitch! Damn it! Damn it! I was getting worried. Couldn't even beat the first level! <laughs> oh, God! What do I do? Oh, uh, it's those, like, arcade moments that you get randomly mm-hmm. in life that you never thought you'd have again. It's yeah. amazing. How about you, Teach? What are you, what's your favorite spinoff? See, okay, so my first problem is most of the spin, like the spinoffs that I, 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 especially TV, after like the first couple of seasons, they tend to really suck. Like, I when I was a kid, I really enjoyed Lois and Clark. Then you get to the end of that, and you're like, what the hell were they drinking? Smallville started out really strong, and then got, I don't know what. Um, but honestly, I'd have to say my favorite absolute spinoff have anything was Justice League. It was oh, yeah. perfect. The animated series. The, the Paul Dini universe. universe. Was really good. That was perfect. It had great tone throughout it. It lasted, what, four seasons, if you count uh, unlimited. unlimited? Yep. That was an amazing run, and it will encapsulate what the Justice League should be from now until the day I die. It's amazing. It's adult oriented. It's kid oriented. Yeah, it's everything yeah, it you ever wanted. It's it to everything be. you ever wanted it to be. 
And the, though I will say the young, I guess you could count Young Justice as a spinoff. And I think that was fantastic too. Please season three, please season three, please season three. It's never gonna <laughs> happen. It's never gonna happen. Just Aww. just let it go. It's I like know. Firefly season two. Just Aww. let it go. <laughs> if you want, we can sing it. Well, actually, here's a good question too, because like I said, this does cover the this massive range of things. How about in books? There's uh, I know I was trying to think of ones, but to be there honest, like the many... one of the oldest or not oldest, but like an old one, I guess, that you know, I didn't even think of was that mentioned Lord of the Rings earlier. The Hobbit came first. Yeah. Yeah. Lord so of the Rings I mean that, that was a spin off of, but yeah. I was trying I to I mean think. you you look at like uh, as dumb as it sounds, fantasy novels have the most of this because like Dragonlance <laughs> was oh, a that genre. Really was, did. Yeah. Was, Dragonlance was a catch all. You know, it started with the Chronicles, but then everything spun out of Chronicles and made stories around that. R.A. Salvatore, too. Yeah, R.A. Salvatore with the Drizzt books. They were all spinoffs. Stephen King, The Dark Tower, and The Gunslinger. Yeah. Yeah. But when you get outside of sci-fi fantasy, you know, you look at Star Wars, you look at Star Trek. Yeah. I mean, those spinoffs keep going and going and going. But when you get outside of that, not... The scope is a lot smaller. The scope is... Yeah. It's like, you know, they're... you know. John Grisham's The Firm didn't have a sequel or, well, at least not that I know of, have a sequel or a spinoff to it. Yeah. You know, you didn't get a role-playing game out of The Firm. <laughs> there was, were no great what? video games. There was a movie. Wasn't The Firm harder? That was a porno. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the, the, only, the only author that comes to mind that has a humongous amount of spinoff is Tom Clancy. Because yeah, that's he true. started with his books, you know, Jack Ryan. Mm. And, and they're, they're spun off of a character. They're spun off of, of Jack a character. Ryan, yeah. And then he, you know, collaborated with other authors and came out with NetForce, which yeah. was all about cybercrime. And, you know. Then that spun off even to, like, Tom Clancy's video games. Yeah, and video games. That's films true. And all this stuff. And that spun off this crazy most successful in I, terms of that. I can think of one current spin off that I haven't read yet, but Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. Harry yeah, yeah, yeah. In the world of Harry Potter. Mm-hmm. That's yeah, but that's a, I mean, that's a pre. that's coming from But it's still a spin-off. It's still a spin-off. Yeah, yeah. Off yeah. Of the main There's also, I mean, there's also all of the information that J.K. Rowling's is currently putting on her website. On Pottermore, yeah. 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 So, I mean, theoretically, all of that well, is... Well, Pottermore is technically a spin-off, because that yeah. was her saying, well... I'm going to just bank on this character brand for the rest of her life. And she says, why not write these little things to make this world bigger and bigger and bigger? You know? And there's the play that's being now turned into a book. Harry Potter and the Cursed Child, yeah. Yeah, which, oh, wow. yeah, which will... Continues the story of Ron, Harry, and Hermione as they're older with Harry's son. I mean, on that note, the Shannara series would pretty much all be, because they do generations, so each, um, you know... Individual mm-hmm. series and eventually it becomes under, generation. Yeah, eventually becomes under unbelievable that all these people fucking relate it. Now yeah. I can I can go really obscure spinoff. And I got a good one in my head. Too. I don't know if anybody's gonna get this. I was gonna say this real quick, just in case you say it first. Ducktales. No, but that's a good one too. That's a good. One. Um, <laughs> no, yeah. my spinoff, actually, believe it or not, is Rhodes and Kratz and Guildenstern are dead. Oh, yes. oh. Yeah. All right, so everybody did get yep. that reference. Yep. All right. <laughs> Is a spinoff of Hamlet. It's not yeah. related. I would get yeah. it. I need to sit down and watch that again. It's been a really long that's time. That's a good since movie. That. that is a good movie. <laughs> that's that's an outdoor screening night. Watch Rose and Gilden Stern are dead. 
But uh, yeah, no, like I, I brought up Duck, DuckTales just thinking about because if you think about it, most of the cartoons from most of the people at this table Darkwing is Duck. Darkwing Duck, oh, yeah. Tailspin, Chip and Dale's Rescue Rangers, oh, all of these things yeah. based uh, based out of most of our childhoods mm-hmm. that became spinoffs and cartoons and were huge mm-hmm. in the late 80s and early 90s. Yeah. I love Chip and Dale's and I love the little, the, the stupid Nintendo game. It was amazing. <laughs> it was... A, it's still one of my favorite NES games. I will absolutely, absolutely admit that. So, but yeah, no, I mean, like I said, it's spinoffs. Spinoffs are, like I said, and we you started off the best way, Flash. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think for most of the people at this table, I know at least five out of the six of us. <laughs> God damn it! Adore, adore that Flash. Flash. Hey, yes. hey, I am current on one current comic book TV series. The old Flash from well, the 80s does not count. 90s does not count. I'm current on Jessica Jones. Okay. Nice. Ah, okay. Did you watch Daredevil? No. Well, don't count. Season two. Season two. Okay. I didn't finish Daredevil. Yeah. Both of us didn't we finish Daredevil. Daredevil. You should. Uh, I so know. Good. I gotta do it before next week. Have you started it yet? We started it. Okay. Episode four or five yeah, and then we, got, like, we, oh, we See, because you're right at that cutoff point because once you pass four you can't stop at that point. Yeah, like yeah. it just gets to the point where going. you just can't stop. Not because you don't, you physically can't, but because the story is so good, you don't want to. As long as you saw episode two, hallway scene. Oh my god, yeah, so good! That. One camera, good. one take. Yep, that's amazing. Yeah. It was such a good fight. Scene. Multiple really actors. Fight. Yeah, but still, but, yeah. well, they did it old school. They yeah. did the old style. It's like stuntman goes in, different yeah, stuntman comes yep. out, keep yeah. it going. Yep, but it's yeah. brilliant. One camera, one. Take. But no, uh, like I said, yeah, spinoffs. Uh, like I said, they're just just so much fun, just because yeah. you get to take those breakout characters. I know, like one of the shows that me and Cat watch, uh, also another CW thing, mm. that she sucked me into watching Vampire Diaries, which is really yeah, actually fun. It. It's actually yeah, very well written. Yeah, yeah. It's so um, good. <laughs> the originals. <laughs> Um, that was an I started story. watching that because I was like, Vampire Diaries is a little too melodramatic for my tastes. Mm-hmm. And I was like, but this reminds me of old school World of Darkness it's tabletop. It's World of Darkness vampires. Yeah. It's really fun. And it's it's incredibly well acted. There's a lot of fun writing. It's good fun banter. And that's sometimes all you need. Like, yeah. you know. But, again, another spinoff that's amazing. That goes yeah. back to Buffy because it, 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 the TV has tried to keep a vampire series on the air and it yeah. doesn't work all the time. So like, it's the, tough the, the, the fact that they've made one like that function now. Seven yeah. Seasons, yeah. Yeah. Fear the Walking Dead. Spinoff yeah, of The Walking Dead. Oh. Still haven't seen. Yeah. Uh, you're not missing much. <laughs> you're not missing much with Fear the Walking Dead. Or Walking Dead. No. Yeah. <laughs> hey. <laughs> We're going to have to boot you off this podcast soon with that comment. Well, the biggest spinoffs right now are the ones that we are immersed in, the ones that we're going to be talking about for years to come, and that's the, the Marvel movies. Because what started with Iron Man has progressed into this... It's there, and then it's huge... the DC side on TV yeah. that we're so invested in. I mean, like, you know, Craig has been on DC Primetime with us a couple times now, yeah. and, you know, TJ's been on there... We have a whole show devoted about just talking about the DC TV universe every week. And mm-hmm. they're all spinoffs of each other. And they are. Yeah. And so, I mean, it's... Yeah. They're super good. It's, it's, we're, we're in such... Like, it's... You know, geek culture has always had its moments where those things that we latch onto will continuously, like, you know, keep running. But we feel like we're kind of living in some of, like, the golden age yes. of that now. Yes. So. An age that we never thought would ever happen when oh, we were know, in, like, middle school and high school. I know. And <laughs> being shoved in the locker. I mean... <laughs> <laughs> well, real quick, I know we talked a little bit of game stuff, and before we dive into break, I know Bill's been playing The Division, and he's absolutely obsessed with it. Oh, my God. And I want to give him at least a quick couple of minutes to talk about that real fast. I, I, can, I can talk about it in quick, like, 30 seconds. All right. So, logging into the game for the first day was awesome. I got past the NVIDIA driver game issue. <laughs> <laughs> 
and then I got past Line Simulator 2016. <laughs> First mission, you have to interact with the laptop, and only one person can do it at a time, so everybody formed a line. <laughs> I saw the image. It was totally that, Line like... Simulator. But Massive and Ubisoft immediately responded to that. Like, they were on top of their shit. 48 hours after the game launched, they were like, let's fix this. Uh, they're trying to fix other like game balance issues that everybody's bringing up on Reddit. It's looking like, and I'm hoping, crossing my fingers, that it's not another Destiny. Because on the outside, that's what it is. That's what I'm waiting to find out from people. You know, there's... take that plunge. Yeah, it's, re- it, it's, it's squad-based, RPG, third-person shooter combat. It's Destiny. But, again, we all hope it just doesn't fail like it does. I know you had another big thing, too, was uh, Overwatch. Overwatch! Which I know Bill is our resident Blizzard... <laughs> so yeah, I haven't. I have not gotten to play Overwatch yet. Of all the betas that have happened, I've not been, you know, granted with the the golden ticket to go play a beta. Oh. And it was funny because the other day, we're not sure. I'm not sure whether it was IGN who dropped the ball or Blizzard who dropped the ball in providing the ad to IGN first. But IGN was like, "Hey, here's an ad on our website. Reserve your copy of Overwatch coming out May 24th." And then later in the day, Blizzard was like, hey, yeah, Overwatch is coming out May 24th. <laughs> so I, when you play Overwatch, it's just you directing Felicity Smoke through a uh, <laughs> That's a narrow joke. I'm sorry. Damn it! Damn it! <laughs> I, I, I gotta say, too, just because you brought up Over, uh, we brought up Overwatch, uh, I feel really bad there's another game out there called Bloodborne. Or not Bloodborne, sorry. There is a game called Bloodborne, but uh, Battleborn, um, made by a competitive company. Same concept. Their game is launching about a month before, and they said, here's our date, and they've everybody's been praying. It's the same guys that made Borderlands, and they said, everybody, please buy our game, you know, <laughs> kind of, and they're like, it's really awesome. Please clap. <laughs> Overwatch is kind of overshadowing them a little bit, so they said, here's our date. It's a month before. It gives two people time to play. Blizzard comes out on Twitter five minutes after they make their announcement and says, our beta is available the day that their game comes out. And I'm like, oh, uh, yes. that's a classless move. Uh, Blizzard is, they, they've really kind Our of Our free into... open beta for everybody to play. You they're... can download on PC, Xbox oh, One, PS4, same day as Battleborn. They've it's gotten big rough. enough where they're starting to strong arm things. Yeah. And it's it's, it's yeah, a shame. It's a little, yeah, it is it's a, it's a little shameful. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, because we're wrapping up gaming news right before the break, you know, by the time you guys are hearing this, PlayStation VR... Pricing will probably be announced tomorrow night. We're recording on Monday. So that'll be announced tomorrow night with date and price. So hopefully it comes in cheaper than Oculus and the Vive. By the time you're listening to this, you already know what it is. So technically you know it before we do. (laughs) Very true. Time paradox. Yep. So, and with that real quick, we're going to take a quick break before we get into some other things here. We're planning on talking uh, Ghostbusters trailer reactions, which will be probably an interesting discussion. And then we got a nice kind of... Larger topic as a whole to discuss tonight uh, about both Civil War and Batman versus Superman, but not the conversation we think we're going to have. So we'll be back in just a few.
So, um, coming out of the break real quick, I wanted to bring up real quick what you probably just listened to, and it's now trailing off as I'm talking, is, uh, so DC released something that was really amazing that I brought up, uh, the other week on DC Primetime, but I wanted to get a chance again to highlight it here that I just thought it was awesome. Um, so DC Entertainment released an EP, uh, about a week ago now for Black Canary, the actual band Black Canary, to go coincide with the release of their first trade, and, uh, the song you just heard is called, uh, Fish Out of Water, it's available as a little EP, three-song EP, and you can check that out if you like the song, Head over to blackcanary.bandcamp.com to pick that up. It's really awesome. I want people to check that out, buy it, because I really want a full album badly. I've listened to this way too much in the past two weeks. But anyway, I want it with the normal stuff for the show. So, uh, real quick, you know, one of the things that we wanted to kind of get into, because we haven't done it in a while on this show, is just kind of play a little bit of catch-up on some of the things that we're currently watching. Uh, there's been a lot of fun shows that we've talked about in the past, like Blacklist, Flash, Arrow, Bill, um, how's Blacklist? <laughs> it's on break right now. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but like, you know, the 100, all these things, but like where those shows are now and the new shows we may have started like checking out. Uh, I know, for example, me and Kat have gotten sucked into Lucifer. Lucifer. Oh, Lucifer. Yeah, so good. So, um, but yeah, I just want to kick that out to everybody real quick. We can play a little bit of catch up before we dive into some Ghostbusters discussion. I still, to this day, I, I, I think I said this the last time we talked about this, and it's not exactly new, it's still in its second season, but I cannot recommend highly enough Scorpion on CBS. I, I, I love it. that show. That's it. Nice. <laughs> Bill, you just watched Jessica Jones. I watched Jessica Jones a couple of months ago. <laughs> did, you? Did, you, did you talk about it on the show, though? I probably did. You I may I have. Did. I don't know. And it was fantastic, I and I got I got yelled at for it because I watched it without... That's right. Yeah, you yeah. did get yelled at for it, so we did bring that up. I, I do have a question mm-hmm. uh, when it comes to new shows that we're watching. Um, whatever happened to predictability? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I watched the, hey, the, hey, the evening TV. Hey, Sorry. cut it out. <laughs> Has anybody actually sat down and watched it? I did. That? I watched it. I so we're it. talking about Fuller House. It's talking about Fuller House. It's the pilot is actually the weakest episode. It's yeah. it's it's so many, <laughs> but it's got everybody. It's got everybody. Right, but I'm it's... gonna cut 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 you guys off for just a second. Okay. I couldn't sleep the other night and I watched the first episode. And I immediately shut it the hell off after that first it's episode. It's the weakest ended. episode out of all. Very meta, like a lot of people were saying. But I'll yes. let you guys talk for a second, too, if you guys want to get into it. Um, it's basically, it's, it's like I said, it's the weakest episode. It's all the nods to the first one, the cut it out, the how rude and all that stuff. While it still shows up periodically throughout the rest of the, the other episodes, they throw it way too much in the pilot. And it's just to bring back the nostalgia. But when it gets into the actual story of continuing on... And it turns out that Bob Saget and, you know, the others and Dave Coulier, they just become cameos. They're not regulars throughout the rest of the, the season. Um, so it's, it's a very kind of like girl meets world kind of Pretty much, but just done a lot, but just done better. So, first I, Netflix series with a live audience, too. Interesting. Oh, hmm. weird. It's not a track. I found out they actually did offer tickets to go to recordings. That's it is nice. a live That's audience. That's pretty cool, and it, yeah. it does fit in theme with what they were trying to, to recapture. Yeah. With full and they've already announced the second season. Yep. Yeah, I mean, uh, meanwhile they came out the other day and said Arrested Development, the next season five may not be happening. And I'm like, but we're getting season two of Fuller House. Come yeah, but I think on. that's, that's more because fair. of the people. It's the than, people. Yeah, and, and not Netflix. Sad. I don't think. I think if Netflix had their way, we well, only get people like Jason Bateman, and he's riding the high on Zootopia right now, which is blowing the hell up. Mm-hmm. I mean. It really good, I actually just saw Everybody's it. Everybody's been telling me over and over again it's one of the best things Disney's done in a very long time. And it's impossible to nail down Michael Sarah because the guy is just everywhere, one mm-hmm. working mm-hmm. mofo. Yeah. And he's, yeah, high praise. Um, 
it's hard for me to really pinpoint because I don't know if you guys know this about me. You will once we get closer and we get closer. I mean, I mean <laughs> we get closer. Um, I'm a TV uh, a holic. I do a whole one man show about my love of, right, of, right, right. of television. So every single day, there's at least five shows that I have to watch. Hi, I'm TJ. <laughs> we have the same addiction. <laughs> so I'm. Um, so as far as what I'm watching this week, it's it's um it's it's new. The only the new thing that's gotten me. I just finished uh, American Crime Story. Just finished. Right. Um. I mean, I mean American Crime. That ten episode arc just finished. Great ending. Because I love the first season. Right now, I guess my my biggest thing. Because today, Mondays. I'll take you through my whole schedule. Mondays is um is Supergirl obviously in Gotham and Monday Night Raw and Blind Spot and Better Call Saul. Tuesdays is um New Girl, Grandfathered, Grinder, Brooklyn Nine Nine, Fresh Off the Boat, Muppets, Agents of Shield. <laughs> well, the good news is Muppets is done for the season. Yes, so now it's the real O'Neills. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> oh OJ Simpson. Wednesdays. I thought I was is, bad. No, you're not. <laughs> Wednesdays is Arrow and uh, Goldberg's and Modern Family and Blackish, and it was American Crime. Now it's Nashville and um, uh, Broad City. No Supernatural. No, Thursday <laughs> is... It wasn't even a pause for next week. Because I'm going to forget. Because I know there's uh, Thursdays is uh, um, Big Bang Theory and Life in Pieces. Life in Pieces is the best new comedy of the year. Um, and then the Blacklist and How to Get Away with Murder and... Um, Legends of Tomorrow. Legends of Tomorrow. And It's Always Sunny. And um, Fridays when I get ca- caught up on all the other shows that I've missed during the year. On Sundays is... Uh, Border Town, Bob's Burgers, Simpsons, Cooper Barrett, um, Guide to Life, Last Man, um, on Earth. Last Man on Earth, and Family Guy, opposite of uh, The Good Wife and The Walking Dead, <laughs> and Girls Togetherness. This is going to be a lot of tags for me right then. <laughs> yeah. but, but that's, but, so as for what I'm watching now, People vs. O.J. Simpson is, is really captivating me because it was such a big part of my childhood and because I uh, yeah. lived it. I didn't see, and I devoured it when it first came out and because we don't have the internet the way we have now so everything i got from 1994 was through actual magazines yeah. and newspapers and print and what was ever on the on best TV. we had was aol with and aol dial up and, and dial up. Their news page oh, yeah, yeah I mean, and news page and i was it's the only time in my life i ever read newspapers from other parts of the country to find out what they were doing or, or reading the la times um or when it came out and i worked at a bookstore at the time so it was like when i got the la Times paper that I looked at that before I looked at the at the Inquirer. So People versus O.J. Simpson and um, Life in Pieces are the two shows that have really captivated me so far awesome. this week. Bill, I've got nothing. He's <laughs> <laughs> like, are you going to make me follow that up? <laughs> Blacklist went on break, and I don't know what You're to like, do with myself. It's, it's, it's come back a Thursday. Most no, it's, it's come back April. Oh, first week mind. in April. Start the 100. Start the 100. I gotta start the 100. I gotta start, start something. Start the blind, blind Spot or Quantico also, you can start. My wife loves Quantico. She thinks it's fantastic. I'm, I'm thinking I'm thinking about starting something completely out of the realm of what everybody else has mentioned. West Wing. No. 11, <laughs> was it? Yes. 11 I want to start out. it too, but Craig and oh, I were yeah. actually talking about this. On the I want to wait. I'm waiting until eight, eight, eight episodes are done. Weekly binge episodes. And binge eight and binge episodes. Yeah. We're into getting so ready five, to five. week five. So, so five's I'm out. wondering if that's going to affect anything. Like, we'll, Because I'm the same way. I'm going to wait and binge it. Yeah. yeah. But 
are people watching it like a weekly show? Because I don't know anybody who is. So well, that's, yes, yes and no. Because I can say this from experience. Very different because yeah, so. I watched um, Casual uh-huh. on Hulu, and that was also a weekly show. And every Wednesday, I was like, okay, new episode of Casual's out on Hulu. Let me go ahead and watch this. Okay. It was good. I, I like yeah. the drama of having a weekly show because you watch it, and then you can say, oh my goodness, what's going to happen next week? And you can talk with other people about it without mm-hmm. worrying, well, what am I going to talk about? Or am I going to spoil something for somebody else? Well, like I said, like there's that, that old old standby of calling it a water cooler show. Exactly. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And when you're watching a show that's happening weekly, it gives you those moments where you get to find the fans of those shows, mm-hmm. and you get to theorize the way that we theorize about stuff. Yeah, like, we actually prime time and all. We actually had to put rules into place at work because there's a bunch of us who watch Game of Thrones and that's, yeah, that's starting fair, up again. Yeah. Yeah. So we had a conference and there's like We're four of us. actually behind a season. Yeah. And I need, season. we yeah. need to fix that. Because yeah. normally, like, we had people that were like, hey, on the sly, here's a way to watch it. <laughs> well, um, and, we, um, we didn't have that last season, so we were like, oh no. Um, yeah. But yeah, so we, had, we all had a powwow and we're like, okay, when does everybody watch it? We can. Ne- <laughs> So now the rule is we cannot talk about it until Tuesday because mm-hmm. we all have HBO Go, which means we can't. We'll watch. We won't watch it till Monday night. Mm-hmm. So there's nothing on Monday. Well, you, you, you can watch it at any point on HBO. Well, on HBO Go. Well, you can watch it live it on HBO. No, you can oh, watch, watch it live, it live on HBO. Really? The minute it starts on HBO, you can watch it on HBO Go. Okay, because we've had problems with that a couple of times where it's supposed to be. Because mm-hmm. I'll usually wait. Yeah. It usually starts at like 9 o'clock on HBO, and at like 9.01, I log on and start watching. Okay. Because I don't have HBO. I just well, HBO it might Go. depend, too, because there's HBO Now, and then there's HBO, HBO Go. Go. And if you have HBO Now, it's actually like Hulu, where it's... Oh, there's, HBO there's Go, you delay. can actually watch it. If you have Go, you can log into the cable system. We have Now, because we have we have it through... PlayStation, I think. Uh, yeah, and her my wife's parents gave us their codes in. That's yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I know... Like me, uh, me and Kat can probably talk about this together, and Ben as well. Uh, for us, Lucifer is something that so we just good. started. It's awesome, and I don't actually like procedurals very much, to be honest. Can, so, I, can I ask you a question about Lucifer now? Yeah. If it's it's gotten critics really love it, which means Fox will cancel it. <laughs> what that's what I was going to say. I'm so scared. Can you can can you sustain this? Because they try to do shows about the devil, or even yeah. like even going back to Highway to Heaven. Where, do, where, to, where can this go? They might be able to sustain it because of the format, because it's procedural. And uh-huh. that's a huge, I mean, that's a successful format. Yeah. It's one that people easily latch on to. Okay, like, I don't know if you watch iZombie, but iZombie is yeah. a procedural, but it works because it's, you're changing up the, the, the way it functions every week. Okay. So they have the formula that everyone <laughs> likes weekly, uh-huh. but then they have Lucifer's personal drama and existential crisis, etc. Okay. Like, throughout. And, and then that's woven in. So I think it probably could. There's that, and know. then there's the partner in the mix who he's falling for that's a human, uh-huh. but she seems... Very Castle-esque. Okay. Is he falling for her or is he just trying to get her in bed? I think he's falling for her. Falling. Okay. You can see the broad I, I, arc is the falling for her, but his emotional... And that's a nice kind of fun idea him. of the fallen, fallen angel. Because I'm a big fan uh-huh. of the Devil, the TV series. I mean, Devil is part of that. I mean, but I just... It, Felt like I got a Reaper vibe from it, and I loved Reaper. Yeah, and I—I I mean, I watched Reaper too. I will mm-hmm. say this: there's something about the way he's depicting the character, uh-huh. mm-hmm. uh, and he's so brash, and it just—it's striking all the right notes when they need to do it. Yeah, and the where music like, too. Yeah, the I mean, music like is having him—the fact that the, de- the devil 
while he's basically for the people that haven't seen, haven't seen the show here yet, it's the idea that Devil has taken a vacation. He said, screw it, I'm leaving, I'm going back up to Earth, and he's been here for five years. Mm -hmm. He's opened up a nightclub in Los Angeles, and he said, why not? Because Los Angeles is the most likely place to do it. Right. And he says, by the way, the Mexican food is amazing. <laughs> so, But it's him there, and he's got another demon with him that's kind of like, I'll walk heaven and hell for you, and is there, and it's him just not wanting to be back. And you have basically an archangel that's pestering him and says, you have to go back. You have to go back to your job, yeah. And, and it's like, like, I don't want to go. I'm cleaning up your mess down there and I don't want to be there. <laughs> and it's you now an archangel guarding the gates of hell and him just having fun. Yeah, so in the background is that drama, but it's the background. So okay. the, the every week is just, here's a new murder they solve. Uh-huh. And, or, but it, or crime of some kind. It's a crime that the, the cop that he's kind of, like, attached himself to dealing with. Mm -hmm. And meanwhile, it also has a tendency to kind of fit in his grand scheme of things of what he's attempting to do for himself. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So he, it's a very selfish give and take that's happening constantly, the mm -hmm. way that you would expect of the devil. So but it works. It works very Where very. would this show succeed where a show like Constantine failed? Because I'm looking at, at at shows like that, that nowhere with a with an angel <laughs> demonic thing, yeah. a theme. It's and, on Fox. Um, it just won't. It, hold on. What's the time slot? Okay. I actually don't know. We nine, watch it on Hulu. Nine, nine o'clock. Uh, so I, I think it's a nine o'clock time slot. Friday. I'll put. I'll actually. Uh, yeah. Monday. Yeah. It's I tonight. I can speak to that because I did watch Constantine too, and I loved Constantine, but I do think that this again the format is mm -hmm. different. Mm -hmm. This really does follow like more like an iZombie like procedural format okay. and like the way they handle it and it mm -hmm. has the cop in it. So it has a lot of things that people can grasp. Constantine was a monster of the week. Constantine was style. monster of the week and okay. that was a whole different skew. Okay. And so you had a lot more to grasp mm -hmm. and a lot more reach that you had to do. Um, and it really is like the angel stuff and all that stuff. It's definitely a part of it, but it's more like a veneer. Okay. It's not like the riding force of the show. But ultimately, when they dive into be, that stuff, yeah. it really pulls you in. Okay. The other thing is, I think, because I've only seen a couple of episodes, uh, Aaron loves it. Yeah, we binge watch yeah. most yeah. of it over it's the course good. of like two days. So um, it's only like seven episodes in. Yeah, but the I think the other thing is, whereas with Constantine, your main character was a jackass. Mm-hmm. Lucifer, your main character, while still Lucifer, is suave, sophisticated, He's charming. Yeah, charming. yeah to remember, everything it's angel first, demon, demon second. second. Yeah, it was everything Constantine wasn't. Okay. Mm -hmm. And I think the biggest hurdle Constantine had was there was nobody on, on the show who was that suave, sophisticated to character him. to yeah. offset him. Okay. Constantine's always been a brash ass. Yeah, because let's be honest. To, yeah. to put that person there would be to mm -hmm. blunt the character himself. I mean, I can tell you when I could have told you Constantine was going to get canceled. It was like maybe three or four episodes in, and there was a moment where it was an old friend that was a drug addict that was part of that big that, episode, yeah. that mm -hmm. big thing that happened to the girl that was part of the ceremony that they mm -hmm. were involved in. And it was, he got possessed, and Constantine's kind of like, cool, we're going to solve this together. And at the end of the episode, Constantine kills him. And it was a mercy kill because it was the best thing to do, but... Right. You have nobody balancing him out at the end of that. Mm -hmm. It is, this is a brutal, vicious, sad moment in TV okay. that you're watching. And unfortunately, while a lot of us really love that because it's an emotional raw moment, mm -hmm. most of the average viewers of TV says, they want this to isn't for me. Yes. We want a happy moment at the end and we'll right. see you next week. Bye-bye. Which is why I think, and I know we've talked about this on DC Primetime, I think the possibility of adding Constantine to DC's Legends of Tomorrow 
could be a good aspect really because well. you're going to have other characters to balance that out. Right. Yes. See what I think you they should team. do. They should do in this game. A little off topic, but I think they should bring him into Arrow and make Arrow more of a supernatural. Like I'm going to fight. But they the won't. Super- but they won't do that. They, they're I mean, staying he, away from. He made an yeah. appearance on Arrow. Yeah. yeah, back in the past. Well, they're getting into the supernatural. I mean, with Damien Dark. Damien Dark Vixen yeah, yeah. was just in the show a couple yeah. weeks ago, yeah. and even going back to Raja Ghoul, you know, they brought in the Lashers. They made a hard turn, and even the flashbacks are doing that stuff yeah. too in Arrow right now. So I think that if, you, and I've always, and I've always felt this way, even in the comics, I think Green Arrow has a niche because he's not, you know, he's not Batman. Mm-mm. But He's not just the archer. His book has always been about a lot of the supernatural, yeah. too. But if you bring him into the supernatural and more or less make him the Batman of the supernatural world, I think it really fits him. And you're redefining that character where exactly. like, he's just Batman light or Batman yeah. Jr. Or and I think that would say. be a good direction to take the show right now. Mm-hmm. It reminded it that is the whole the topic about Lucifer um, reminded me of the announcement I heard today, I don't know if you're going to touch it on this uh, at all, but on May 22nd, AMC is announcing the premiere of Preacher. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. That looks good. Which is, yet again, again another Vertigo yeah. property, title. which is a classic comic series. Mm-hmm. But that goes back to by your another faith-based or, you know, angel-demon type yeah. show. And that digs into like, things like on CW Supernatural that yeah. has been very heavy on that stuff since season five. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Kind of course correcting a little bit though, yeah. getting back to another right. show um, that I, I was really into the second season, uh, the first and second season, and I'm really excited that they finally announced a third season, and hopefully in April we're going to see it. Uh, you mentioned Reaper, uh, which was Tyler Labine, and Tyler Labine was on a show on Hulu called um, Deadbeat. Yep. And the stoner that could see the ghosts. The stoner that could see ghosts. <laughs> and, but Reaper was, was a fun show too. Wait, I love it. It was, and directed by Kevin Smith. It yes. was. Um, but. Or, or I think written by Kevin. I don't no, know if it was directed. directed. The first he directed episode, the first couple episodes. episodes. Yeah. yeah then... um, but I'm really excited that they did announce that there's going to be a third season of Deadbeat on, on Hulu. I'm hoping it's going to be April because season two premiered in April last year. Mm. Uh, they announced Cal Penn is going to be joining the cast awesome. of the second one. Um, Reaper, however, did pit... Well, Reaper didn't... Or not Reaper. Um, Deadbeat didn't piss me off. Hulu pissed me off because they played episodes out of order Oof. in the oh. queue. Because when you, because you know how if, if you yeah, let it go, it plays the next episode. Sometimes it plays the most current. It played episode. the pilot, and then it played the finale of season oh. two. Oh. And I watched it, not realizing it. Oh. So I saw how the season ended, and I'm like, "Wait a minute, that's how the second episode ends." And then I backed out, and I'm like, "Son of a bitch, it skipped the whole season." We, every once in a while, we we play a game with uh, two friends of ours, uh, and. Um, Tommy, who's been a writer on the Captain Crew, and Heather, his wife as well, where we used to play anime roulette, where we would meet Kat and the two of them would sit down and flip through animes that we've never <laughs> like seen. And be like, Let's just try this one. It looks interesting. And one of the ones that we were like, this looks awesome. And it started in the final episode, and we're like, what the hell we is going so on? We were so confused. We had no idea. I was so idea. disappointed. But I'm, I'm, I'll pay better attention for season three. Yeah. So... Um, I think the other one i got to bring up, and I think Kat's definitely going to back me up on this, is we brought it up... Thousand and one times on this show, the one hundred. Why are people not I watching don't the one hundred? Understand it. This blows my mind. This is like the newest incarnation. Because like one of my favorite all time sci fi's is um, that was the reboot BSG. Mm-hmm. It was phenomenally done, and and then you got to the ending. I actually just we stopped yeah, when everybody told us to stop. I stopped when everybody yeah. yeah. So I just never got to that part. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was one of those things. Like so, the one hundred. I started watching it, and like I think. 
you know, maybe the marketing of the beginning, because the beginning kind of comes off young adultish. Yeah. But it quickly drops that and goes definitely like in this season, especially into very hard sci-fi stuff with mixed with dystopian. Mm-hmm. And it's so well done. It is really like it takes a lot. It does a good balance of like, you know, it keeps you on edge. You don't know who's going to survive, what's going to happen. Like kind of like Walking Dead does, where like you genuinely have no idea who's going to make it to the next you, you, know. you yeah. generally don't know if anybody's going to make it out of a yeah. show, like kind of like The Walking Dead. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but they did something I never expected. It's a show that has some mysticism because it's a show about people that live on the space station and come down to a war-torn Earth wondering if it's habitable again. Mm-hmm. And you're dealing with people that survived the apocalypse and all this stuff, and they have kind of like that tribal aspect to them. Mm-hmm. And they have their own gods and the way they view <coughs> things in their own faith. Mm-hmm. They found a way to tie all of these plot threads for three seasons together in one 42-minute episode. And they mm-hmm. did it beautifully and brilliantly where they gave us the history of the world finally and tied everybody's plot threads together in one fell swoop. And I've never amazing. seen it done this perfect in a show in the history of TV. I would watch it, and I would say that I, I don't have enough to watch. I already have enough to watch. But now with having Craig on this podcast, I can never use that excuse again <laughs> in my life. I can can tell you, um, I have a subscription to Entertainment Weekly, and they did it in a tremendous article, I don't know if you guys read it, on on the 100, pretty much saying exactly what you did. And I got shamed from an Entertainment Weekly article for not watching this show. Now, you heard my schedule, so you know how I've got every night is packed. And when you have time, binge watch season one and two on, on Netflix. Find a way to play catch I up. was going to say between but Entertainment Weekly's article find and your time to do it. conviction. It's, be- it's beautifully done. There's a lot of young actors that I think have a bright, bright future. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's people that are from BSG alum, Lost alum, that are on the show. Yeah, yes. Yeah. I, I know, and, um, that's what, that's what and, got my attention because when I, I've heard about it, the critics wonderful. loved the show, but when I read the Entertainment Weekly article and they showed the you know, yeah. Battlestar Galactica alum are in yeah. it, and I was like, oh, I like her. Oh, I like him. Mm-hmm. Oh, they're in this. And the whole article just pretty much echoed what you guys said. How if you're not watching the show, you're doing yourself a tremendous disservice. Please watch it. If you like this, you'll love this. And like said, like me, like me and Kat have told everybody that uh-huh. when we pitch the show, there's the first three or four episodes, which is this very teen drama, Lords of the Fly. And that's CW what turned stuff. me off. And yeah. that's why I and stopped. And once you get enough episode five, and they said this is what's happening in space still at the moment. Yeah. And then they start cutting back and forth between the two things. It's so good. All bets yeah. are off. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they do a beautiful job of saying. Here's dystopian and here's a hard sci-fi, and they find a beautiful way to blend it all together. Okay, well, the, and they do a great job. Of it. The hundred is my new The Wire because I started watching <laughs> The Wire and I got turned off, and as soon as I stopped watching it, that's when everything. Oh, you gotta see it! It got so good. The minute you stop watching it, that's when it really got good. So I start. I was going to, with The Hundred, and I saw, oh, this is so young adult, you know, the Hunger Games stuff. It's okay, but now it's like you gotta see the show. So, I will. Okay, well, like I said, there's a ton of other stuff we could talk about, but Mm -hmm. there's two big things we still need to get to tonight. So, let's just dive into one of the rougher topics that we're going to deal with tonight, because I don't know how this is going to go, in all honesty. (laughs) Okay. So, we're all in complete agreement. It's great. I don't know about that yet. (laughs) I'm not sure quite about yet. So, the Ghostbusters trailer just hit last week. Uh Uh, We've now since seen also the international trailer, which is cut a little bit differently. Yeah. Uh, so where do we all stand? Because there was a lot of hate going into this movie before we even saw anything. We saw a couple stills, the cast announcement, and the director and the writer announcement, and that was it. So actually, I'm going to start with okay. Bill because he hasn't said anything in a little bit. So I think it's going to be good. I don't think the trailer 
was as good as the movie is going to be. And unfortunately, that does have to come down to who cut the trailer together and like what Kevin Smith may have said, really, who, who you know, who's keeping their job after cutting a trailer together? <laughs> um, I've already actually made a bet with somebody else that this movie, that Ghostbusters, is going to be at least 50% on Rotten Tomatoes. Because I think it's going to be good. I think people are going to go. They're going to enjoy it. They're going to have a good time. Critics are going to enjoy it. It's not going to be the best movie out there. It's going to be good, though. So. Okay. I want to go to TJ because he seemed very angry after we watched this so, during the break. So, part so of I want to go from one one opposite to the other. See, part of my problem is I'm not a fan, uh, and I like them on SNL, but I don't find like Melissa McCarthy or Kristen yeah. Wiig's like long periods with them funny. Like I saw Bridesmaids, I laughed a couple of times. It wasn't the greatest movie ever. Yeah, I don't like. And this is a personal thing. I don't care for crass comedy. And what I saw on both the international trailer and the regular trailer was crass comedy. And I'm not a fan of that. Right, just I'm going to pause your statement real quick. Can we all agree the original Ghostbusters movie one and two were kind of dry, yes. dry comedy? Yes, yes. 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 I agree. And, okay. And that's right. like if, the, if they had come out, like the one part I actually found funny was the let's go moment. Yeah. Yeah. Which I thought was really good and reminded me of the original. Mm -hmm. If they had shown more of that, I would be more on board with this. Right now, I'm like, eh, I'll see it when it comes. You know, I'm not going to see it. I might see it in theaters if I can get a free ride. If not, I'll probably catch it when it hits Netflix or mm -hmm. uh, or something like that. But like, I have no problems with the cast. Mm -hmm. I think they're all very talented. Part the other part of my problem comes with they started the trailer with. 30 years ago, four scientists, and then Paul, uh, Fee, Paul Fee. Paul Fee. Fee yeah. came out and said, it's not a reboot. I mean, it's not a continuation, it's a complete reboot. Well, then why the hell did you start the goddamn trailer They that? do that for the nostalgia. nostalgia. It's, they're yeah. playing to the nostalgia, exactly. Right, but they didn't start the um, Batman reboot, calling back to the Michael Keaton get right. movie. But real quick, as you mentioned this, bear in mind, when you watch the U.S. trailer, it says, four scientists save the city. When you watch the international show, we watch both of them back to back right during break together. Mm -hmm. And it says four friends save New York City. Mm -hmm. I think that's save the, the better world. save the world. It's a better yeah. statement. It is. And I think we all agree because anybody that's watched the first story said four scientists, Winston was a normal guy. Yeah. Yep. He right. was the normal guy on the And team. so is Leslie uh, Leslie Jones. Is Leslie Jones is a normal person in this. And I like the fact that the international show addressed that because I know a lot of geeks flipped shit. When they say, you were more tearing apart that line of that trailer. I'm like, they weren't all scientists. No. And I'm like, yeah, there was a normal guy on the team. Well, I mean, right. so well, before that, let's let TJ finish his yeah. point. And we but, can talk about this as a whole. But, and, like, if they had made it a continuation, like, it's again, it's an origin story. And oh my fucking God, I am sick to death of origin <laughs> stories. All they had to do was continue it, was to have Rachel toss Kristen rig the keys and go, hey, it's your problem now, I'm out. And That'd that's be it. awesome. That's all they can do. You see a whole like bunch of that. old Ghostbusters. It was just Ray. Everybody else, like, Egon died in the line of duty. Write, write his life right. into what happened. Winston's just kind of like, fuck this. I'm done. Right. And then Pete's like, I'm doing a talk show and I'm making a load of money. And Ray's just like, it's just me? You gotta be kidding me. So he tosses him the keys. He walks out. You have a scientist who reinvents all the proton packs and have it, instead of having to invent them. Yeah. It's like, why? That can't... would be way better. This, like, when I heard of the original script, and there's 
obviously Ghostbusters in Hell, which was the original. No, no, no. That was I'm not talking be... about. Oh, okay. I'm not talking no, about the original. I, I, I do from... have to interrupt this for one second. Let's not forget there is another Ghostbusters on the horizon. Yeah, so there's an two. One's an all male version, yes. and there's an animated movie, and then there's yes. an animated movie. The thing with the the thing is, I think from what they were they've been talking about, a lot of this is going to spin out from this Ghostbusters. I, They're I, ignoring the ones that came before. And my problem is, when you look at those movies that come came before, Ghostbusters 2 wasn't good. Oh, I disagree with that. Well, okay. It wasn't But he's Vigo. You're nothing but flies to him. There were parts of that that were good. Yeah. But in general, the original Ghostbusters was the better movie. Of course. Because they captured something with those four guys. Mm-hmm. And even Ernie Hudson was just kind of there. It was... It was... Uh, it was Stan Spengler and Venkman. And they were in the forefront of the movie, and like, because Zedmore didn't even join the team until right. halfway through the movie. Yeah. Right, and this, it looks like we might not get the proton packs until halfway through the movie. We'll find <laughs> out. Well, let's get, real quick, before we dive into everybody else, let's get the, the nasty part out of the way. Does anybody here have a problem with the fact that this is an all-female cast? No. I don't. No. I, 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 I was one of the people that was very critical of this movie. Uh, when I first heard about it, because I'm such a fan of the originals, I, I was I was okay with it being an all female cast until I heard Melissa McCarthy. Then I was against it because That's fair. she actually sometimes tweaks me. She the only movie I've actually enjoyed her in past Bridesmaids was Saint Vincent. I heard it's because Spy, it was a complete, she actually was really good. Too. I heard Spy was fantastic, and I haven't seen it yet. I was very surprised. I heard she actually played a very dry character, and then. Jason oh, nice. Statement actually was I heard that was the over the top. That's that's what I heard. And I heard, oh, and I was I like, you know what? I want to watch that because I want to change my perspective of her as an actress. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, I've since been, I've since come around uh, on a lot of. I've put a lot of thought into it since watching this trailer. Um, I, I, um, I, I think you're, there was there was there was a. I, I heard one of the big criticisms was the fact that they made Leslie Jones. They're calling. They're saying it was a racist thing because they made her not one of the scientists. All the the white women were the scientists. It's a nod to the original film, right? That Ernie Hudson was not a scientist either. He was somebody who applied for the job from the newspaper. She just happens to what be friends with this line. If there's a steady it, paycheck it, in it, I'll believe I'll anything, believe anything you, you want. Yeah, exactly. So I had it was no, just a regular joke. It had nothing to do with color or yes. sex or race. It was. I mean, like straight up off the bat, it was just. It was a dude coming off the streets in New York City. Yes, exactly. And that's what this is. She's very familiar with New York. That's why she's joining the team. Um, Now, getting on to your point Mm -hmm. and what we had mentioned about Ghostbusters being a very dry humor kind of movie. Yes, the the humor is very kitschy and it's it's more comedic than the dry humor that we expect from the first one. But you have to expect that when you look at this cast. When you look at Kristen Wiig... I love Kate McKinnon, by the way. I think she is a huge up-and-comer. She is hysterical in SNL. I don't know if anybody you guys watched the, the current... Uh, Kate McKinnon is the one that looks like she's playing like the animated series version of Egon. Yeah. Yes. Okay. With, with the, the glasses with the and wig. the throwed-out hair. Yes. But, like, you know, Kate McKinnon, she's amazing on SNL. And if anybody here is a Bernie Sanders fan... Oh, my God. Was there was an amazing... Uh, Hillary Clinton bit that she did yes. just the other night that's on Hulu and Netflix and well not Netflix Hulu and uh, YouTube that people need to watch there's a, there's another that bit has. that she did too with because it was Ariana Grande that hosted SNL I only watched it because of these things she's the only reason I even watch SNL anymore when I do watch it she's the MVP but there was a awesome. there was a a bit where there was three sailors that got stuck and three mermaids came up and saved them 
Uh, Ariana Grande was one. She was half woman, half like Marlin. Um, uh, I forget. Cecily Strong. Cecily Strong was another one, and she was a half woman, but half both like flounder. Beautiful. And then there's Kate McKinnon who comes up, and she's half woman, half blubberfish. And, she's and got it this is prosthetic <laughs> mouth, and she looks like a catcher's mitt. It's <laughs> the ugliest thing ever. Absolutely hysterical. I was yeah. dying. And the Bernie Sanders thing. So, I mean, when you look at this cast, Kristen Wiig is brilliant. Um, again, I was against Melissa McCarthy, but it looks like they're not going the over-the-top, fall-down fat Melissa McCarthy. And you know what? I think it's honestly, I, I'm really happy for her because it's people stopped writing that stupid crap when like certain yeah. somebody falls into a, a, a normal kind of standard in a mold and yeah. they get typecasted they started writing to her, her strengths because she's good with comedic timing yeah and but they don't have to do the same thing and when you're an actor or an actress everybody wants to be able to have range mm-hmm. yeah and so there's still some slight elements of her to that to, with her being slapped on the ground by you know Leslie Jones and such but I'm okay with a little bit of it it's not it's not over the top like bridesmaids and and um that one she did with Sandra Bullock and, and those he, other ones. He. He, yeah. The biggest thing that really turned me around on this movie is the fact that Ivan Reitman, Dan Aykroyd, are both involved in the production and the writing of this film. Dan Aykroyd is in the film. Sigourney Weaver, Annie Potts are both in this film. But the biggest thing that turned me around on this was the one man who would not do Ghostbusters 3. Bill Murray. Bill Murray is in this movie. He, Ernie Hudson is in this movie. Ernie Hudson is in this movie. The original Murray, Ghostbusters that are still standing today are all in this. The only Bill, person that's not coming back for this is Rick Moranis. And, and that's Bill, because of life stuff. Bill that's Murray it. is at a point in his career where he does not have to do anything he does not want to do. And he does not do anything he does not want to do, except Garfield. Um, <laughs> or Garfield tells or Gar- yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, Which he even pokes fun at in Zombieland. So yeah. the fact that he did this film that is a huge seal of approval from the original cast. Yeah, That's huge to me. That is enough for me to go to the theater and watch this movie. I'm in. I'm watching it. I mean, again, don't get me wrong. I'll, I'll watch it. I'll probably even enjoy it. Okay, because I love, I love the Ghostbusters. But it's not... And again, I'm basing this off of two trailers. Okay. <laughs> so, you know, the next trailer might be all dry and I might be going, Hey, this looks fantastic. Okay, but of the true trailers we've seen, it's not the humor I would want from the Ghostbusters. And I'm hoping that the next trailer after this shows more of that dry wit that made the first Ghostbusters amazing. There, was, there wasn't a... It was four guys in this situation that felt like it could have been real. But I don't think you're going to get that. I really don't. Again, like I said, with this cast, it's going to be more comedic. It's not going to be as dry. So I don't think you're well, going to get that kind of. You're drive. looking at this again too. This is these are it was original SNL alum for the most part in the mm-hmm. original film, and now it's current SNL yeah. alum yeah. in this yeah. one. And they're writing to the strengths and they're writing to the times. Yeah. And that's the most important part of this film, I think, is the fact that they're writing to the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and if they write it the right way, it's going to be great. Though I will say there is a fan cut trailer out there, which, which is brilliantly done, which is absolutely amazing. And I went, I haven't wow. seen that. It's before. a minute thirty, and it's phenomenal. And yeah. if they showed that to me, I would have been, I would, yeah, be I would have been like, night. hey, this is great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
And it's, like I said, there's slaps like cure, yeah. but, like, you can even look at the trailers that we watched together. Melissa McCarthy looks very much like she's playing, like, the Ray character. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Kristen Wiig is playing the Bill Murray-esque character that we know Kate McKinnon looks like she's playing the Egon. And I love the fact that even her character design looks, like I said a second See, ago, looks like the animated version of Egon. Egon. See, actually, I pegged, um... Kristen Wiig is Egon, and what's her name? No, I picked I picked no, no, Kate McKinnon as Egon. It's crazy me, mad from the moment I saw her. Scientist. Yeah. And I like the fact they're playing on that dynamic. And you know what? I'm actually really kind of happy that they pulled Leslie Jones like is the Winston type yeah. character because it's playing great homage to the class, the original film. Now, I do have one question about the trailer. We do see a scene where they're talking about how Kate McKinnon is the brilliant scientist and engineer. The, the contraption that comes up with the lasers. The is that trap. the new trap? Yes. yes. It's okay. a new yes. trap. Yes. All right. It's, it's, it's but it looks fun. But like, I'm does. really happy with ultimately what they're doing. Mm-hmm. I am too. I've come, Like I said, I've come around completely. You know, it looks like a bear trap. It does. Mm-hmm. And you know who they could catch with that? They could catch one of the new Flyers rookies. Ghost Bear. Oh, my God. Oh! <laughs> I'm but, hanging my head in shame. But ultimately, I think... People are being really vicious and hard on this movie just to be able to be vicious and hard. The internet's a nasty place. I think we all agree. No. No. Never. But I think there's a lot of positives. The look at this film and the caliber of the people that are involved in it. And I think people really need to give this movie a chance. I think it's people being overly critical before they're even seeing anything from Mm -hmm. this movie. It's because the first one is held in such a high regard. That just the fact that they're remaking it, it's they're not giving it a fair shot. Well, yeah. I was in that camp. I when I heard that they were even remaking Ghostbusters, I was firmly, you know, vehemently against it because I I've gone, been on my soapbox for a while saying Hollywood ran out of ideas ten years ago. Anything that was popular thirty years ago, let's make into a movie now. So when I heard they were doing this film again, I was staunchly against it. Horrible idea. Leave it alone. Don't touch something that was classic that didn't need to be. Uh, remade or redone or any re anything, but with this cast, with these women together, of course I would go see it. You know, even if Bill Murray hadn't given his blessing, of course I'm going to go see it. And with movies I want to see, this is the first time I've ever seen. This is the first time I saw the trailer. And any movie that I want to see, all the great movies that are coming out this year, I refuse to watch any trailers. I don't want to see anything that that I want to see on a small screen. I want to see it on the big screen. So I'm not gonna. I'm not going to tear apart a trailer or two minutes of something that mm-hmm. I've seen because I've seen some shitty trailers for some really good movies and I've seen some really great trailers for some absolutely shitty movies. So <laughs> I will hold off judgments on what kind of movie it is. I'm just going to go see it. Just because it's Ghostbusters, just because it's got these four women that I think is a great casting choice um, and that fact that the original Ghostbusters are going to be in it. I didn't even know that until you just mm-hmm. said so, Ben. But I was going to see it anyway, so I just want to see a good film. I, I will say you are right, though. Hollywood did run out of ideas. You can yes, tell sure. because they just announced 21 Jump Street and the Men in Black crossover. They announced yeah. that months ago. <laughs> yeah. They just yeah. finally well, announced the, the, the director. Yeah. They announced the that last year. The day that I just start building my own coffin is the day they say they're remaking Jaws. Oh. <laughs> that is my favorite movie. Uh, hello. I'll buy you the hammer. Deep, I'll buy you Bruce the hammer and nails because you, you didn't hear the news. They are not remaking Jaws. They're making Moose Jaws. They're making Moose Jaws. No, no, no. no. They're, they're starting talks about redoing They've Jaws. been talking about it for years, years and nothing's been happening. The moment that it's on screen, I'm just going to stand out in front of th- <laughs> my local theater saying the end is nigh, and that's, that's the end of it. I, that was one of my movies. I saw Jaws in a the theater. That was the movie that made me love movies. Yeah. 
I, I and, and we and we still have to make Jaws the musical before yes. Jaws remake happens. Yeah. Um, I I don't think it's necessarily, and this is kind of staying with topic, but a little off the topic of Ghostbusters. I don't necessarily think it's an it's Hollywood running out of original ideas. It's Hollywood afraid to take a chance. It's Hollywood is afraid to take a chance because the movie viewer has is so overly critical now and has such a short attention span that unless they know what it's about and unless they're familiar with it, they won't go see it. Mm-hmm. Original well, movies do still make it to theaters, but they do horribly. Yeah. So produ- production companies don't want to take a chance. This is why we don't know any of the movies that actually get nominated for Best Picture anymore. Yeah. Nobody that's goes to true. see them. Yeah. yeah, that's very true. Well, I mean, think about it this way. The movies that we don't see in theaters, though, we're getting the better variations of unique writing now on television. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It went from television being the dumb audience and seeing a movie was being intelligent. Now it's flipped. Yeah. The time is... Times have changed yeah. where we're seeing these brilliant stories and characters we can love and latch onto and really feel something for because now we're <coughs> understanding they have, you know, tw- 23 hours, you know, to mm-hmm. tell us an amazing story and get it really care about these people. And you see more movie actors coming to television because they have better yeah. scripts. Yeah. They have Think better opportunity. About yeah. Think about the movies that all of us at this table plan on definitely seeing Batman vs. Superman, Captain America Civil War. What are all these movies? popcorn movies mm-hmm. they're all these spectacles we want to see and say we want to turn our brain off go into a movie and just watch and drool and enjoy what we're seeing because it's things from our childhood and things that we love and it's bombastic and there's explosions every six seconds and somebody's getting into a fight and it's fun to watch just for those reasons alone when we get a human element from those movies we're in awe but we can turn to TV at any time because there's so many good shows that we even just talked about that mm-hmm. are showing that they can do that Bigger and better every week when we just turn on cable or Netflix or Hulu and enjoy those things versus going and spending $16 to see a movie that is barely going to hold our attention. But on the opposite end of that, though, I do think TV is to blame for the dumb down of society to that we go to movies just to see popcorn movies and stuff like that. Because while there is good television, there is there still great really movies. bad television. Oh yeah, in, re- in reality well, shows and, and dating shows and everything but there's else. There's good and bad in everything. There are good yeah. books and there are horrible books. Twilight. <laughs> there you go. Okay, it's Fifty Shades of Grey. You know, and then on the other side of the thing, there's War and Peace and Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Okay. Everything has a a good and a bad aspect to it. For every you know a, a popcorn movie, there's a um, and my mind bl- just blank. Somebody help me with an Academy Award. Whiplash. Whip, whiplash. Spotlight. The big short. Yeah. Yes. But if there's something not, like it's that. It's not TV or or movies or books or anything like that. It's just looking in your genre of whatever format you want to. Consume things, but if you but if you look at the the horrible, there's um, good and bad. If always. you look at the bad, the bad comes down to money. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. you look at the That's bad true. movies that they keep remaking. They keep making. They kept making the Twilight movies because they they made a lot of money. You look at the Twilight books, horrible books sold millions of copies. Horribly written books. It comes down to money. If it makes yeah. money, they keep producing it, whether it's good or bad. Yeah. Well, I mean, like I said, like I said, I think ultimately all of us could say that. We're kind of still excited about the Ghostbusters movie, regardless of what's happening. I think most of us here are going to see it yeah, at this yeah. table, mm-hmm. whether it's in a theater on or at home, or paying $150 for a box and $50 <laughs> to watch it. <laughs> to watch it, Some, somebody out there is going to do it. But let's shift one more 
step over to another topic that we wanted to hit before we close out this week's show is we are now on the verge of two powerhouse movies coming out that most of us at this table are excited about. Batman vs. Superman, Dawn of Justice, and Captain America Civil War. Now, a lot of people are expecting us probably to record this tonight and say we're going to talk about Civil War and Spider-Man. Not necessarily. Um, Spider-Man's been on screen so many times, it doesn't need to be brought up yet again. But one of the big things that we wanted to talk about is the idea it's hero versus hero in these films and what that's saying potentially to an audience. Um, I know TJ brought this up in the past uh, when we even brought up the idea of Civil War a couple episodes ago. Mm-hmm. Um, we're now kind of pitching to just the general audience and kids in general as well that it's now no supervillain. It's hero versus hero. And what do we all think about that and how is that kind of moving forward going into these two giant films for me it um i think civil war is the more at least from the trailers again and from what i know about it is the more egregious of the two because from what it looks like in batman versus superman they're going to fight realize they've been manipulated and then fight the actual villain um makes sense right which is what most hero versus hero stories are we meet we're confused we fight we go oh wait we're on the same side and then we go beat up that guy over there yeah. um with civil war particularly the and the comic book it was based on there was no real supervillain. there was nobody manipulating anything in the background it was two guys who had a difference of opinion and instead of sitting down and talking about it like rational adults they decided to beat on each other until one of them died I don't know if that's going to happen in the movie. There might be a villain that we're not seeing. And the funny thing is, can anybody name the three villains that are in Civil War at this table? In the movie? In the movie? In this movie that's coming up. I I want to say Crossbones. Crossbones. Baron Zemo. Baron Zemo. Two? I don't... uh, Is there a third? Claw. Yeah. Yeah. From Inspector Gadget? Yeah. yeah. (laughs) So we're seeing... uh, Claw. Oh my god, most amazing person ever to do CG Andy's, characters. Uh, Andy Circus. Andy yeah. Circus. Andy Circus is coming back and playing Claw in this film. So, and. But nobody can. Well, the average person that's walking down the street, if you ask them and said, You excited to see Captain America Civil War? And they'll say, Yes. Mm-hmm. And they said, Tell me the three villains in the movie. Most people are not going to be able to do that. Yeah. No. I don't know any of those villains. I don't Honestly, know. I don't. Yeah. Well, well Crossbones, problem. we've already met. In Captain America, in, in, a Winter, in Winter Soldier. Soldier. Winter Soldier. He was a little oh, crush. He was one of the sh- he was the Hydra agent that got crushed into the building. He was that the guy was who fought Clark. Anthony Mackie. He fought Falcon. Falcon. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, Claw Andy Circus. He was in Avengers Two. Had his arm ripped off. He was the in the, in the mines. The um, in Wakanda in the vibranium mines yeah. that had his arm ripped off. And he turned mines into Claw. The mines of Moria. <laughs> My problem with the hero versus hero aspect is event, especially in the case of Civil War, is eventually you have to look at a ch- at a kid and go, Hey, guess what, kid? Iron Man's a bad guy because the title is Captain America and he's not going to be the villain in his own movie. Okay. And how do you explain that to somebody who's 13 or 12 or 8? And you can't tell me these movies aren't aimed at these kids because there's a mass marketing production behind it. And this may bring you out of the whole fact that it's a popcorn movie because it's starting to make you think that the world isn't always broken down into black and white. You don't have good guys fighting bad guys. You have good guys fighting over other good guys over differences of opinion and whose way is better. And even though everybody's supposedly fighting for the good and fighting the good fight, there's going to be a difference of opinion between two people trying to do the best thing for you know and society. I'm not, and I'm not arguing with that idea. I like that idea. My My problem is... 
and I know it doesn't make for a good action movie, but why not put in of an actual, you know, have Baron Zemo be the full-out villain, and Captain America and Iron Man are fighting Zemo, but at the same time having a difference of opinion. But they're not beating up on each other. Why do we have to have them beat up on each other over a difference of opinion? Because then it wouldn't be a civil war. Yeah, that's what I, True. I, I, in all seriousness then it wouldn't no, be a and, and, and I understand it's, it's brother versus brother that's yeah. the, the classic term but I can, no, I can see your point on the young kid though because if it's like you know a five or six year old who's like this is the superhero I love and then they're like wait what's going on why are they trying to hurt but it's that. not going to be any I'm... different than with Batman and Superman well think about it though like Again, let's look at this from what Katha said. And I, I ju- and just for the, I'm sorry, I'll just for the record, I don't like that idea either. Batman versus Superman is not a good idea in my mind, even if it's a fantastic movie, which I'm betting it's going to be okay. I don't like the idea of superheroes fighting superheroes. But going back to Kat's point, though, which I think is the smart point of what we're trying to get into this, the average five year old or eight year old doesn't think the way that we do. We're all in our you know late twenties to our forties, you know, I mean, like, let's think about that, really, like, they don't view the world the way we do. For them, it is black and white, like, it's It simple, is black and white, you know? yeah. And it's, it's the spectacle of seeing, you know, a hero fighting hero. I I hear what you're saying, yeah. I'm all for it, and, oh, yeah. and the way that these, the Avengers movies and the Marvel movies have been, we've seen the dissension between Iron Man and Cap from the beginning. So this is oh, just yeah. the, you know, the it's not like it. it's not like we didn't see this coming. It's not like it's a oh my god, Iron Man and Cap are fighting. All right, Tony Stark and, and Steve Rogers on screen all the time were at each other's throats. Yeah. Okay. And, and but we're back it was like in the first Avengers where there was that five minute fight scene between yes. the heroes, and then they went on and fought, fought the bad guy. I'd be yeah. okay with that. Yes, but having one of them just flat out be the villain. And That's where I have the problem. Why the what now? Why Civil War worked for me as a comic book, and why it got to me, and it, and it, it galvanized a mm-hmm. comic reading audience because I understood both sides. I under and when when it and we know in in the comic books it was a nucleo or whatever that caused the, the yeah. accident. In this movie, it's going to be Crossbones that yeah. causes the, the accident. But so they have a rallying point. They're all together on that. Yes, this sucks, but. I think we should handle it this way, and but I think we should handle it that way. Right. That's where I, the the con, that's where I, the, the common man can can, yeah. can see this and happen. In Civil War, I like that in the comic. I like yeah. that idea. My uh-huh. problem was, you know, again, you know, Captain Amer- Captain America is an adult. He's a rational person. Yes. And his answer to superheroes should be regulated because they cause too much damage was to level half a Manhattan. <laughs> um. Well, in his his idea was no, we're not going to do it. It yeah. was then that we said, okay, well, he's not going to do it. Arrest Captain America, and that's when it it all yeah. went to went to shit. And I see, I look forward to seeing that happen on the big screen. And and, and don't get me wrong, I'm going to go see the movie. Yes, I'm going to go enjoy the movie yes. because it is going yeah, to be a fun really movie. Good. Yes. Um, but like Kent said, you know, a five year old isn't going to think of it as nuanced it's going to be hey captain america's beating up on iron man i guess iron man's bad but i think i think on that point though you're kind of limiting i think you're kind of overthinking that a little bit i mean yes the five and six year old is going to be a little overly overcritical because they don't see it as areas Mm -hmm. of gray they see it as black and white oh my god why is iron man beating up my favorite superhero right america but i know personally i know seven eight nine year olds 
who are absolutely looking forward to this movie for the same reasons that we are. It's a fun popcorn movie. They want to see action and spectacle mm-hmm. on the screen. They might love Iron Man and they want to see Iron Man win, but they know it's a movie. Yeah. They're not going to be over... And when you put that into perspective and you think about, like, yes, seven, eight, nine, ten-year-olds are going to understand it's just a movie. The five- and six-year-olds... That five- and six-year-old audience is such a small audience compared to the broad scale of who's going to see this movie. And they want, you and can't they, appease to every audience. And they want to yeah. see... This is like Avengers 3. They want to see all the heroes on stage at the yeah. same time. They want to see the big act. And it doesn't matter if it's Black Panther versus, you know, Scarlet Witch versus Hawkeye versus... You know, just the scene between uh, Winter Soldier and Cap fighting Iron Man. Kids want to see that. That was, a, that was an amazing part Exactly. Of it. Ten seconds. And I and I went kids want to see that. And that's why yeah. you that's Actually, the appeal of your um, I can't like a uh, in support of that. I, I will say like kids you know, even though they might not be able to get the nuances of it, I know like our nephews love all the bad guys in Star Wars and they yeah. hate the good guys. So <laughs> they that might just be cool. like, Yeah, I made the villain now, I like him. <laughs> but yeah, like I mean I asked I asked my nephews just a week ago, me and Kat were like, So you guys watched Rebels? And they're like, uh, there was no Sith this episode and they didn't care. Yeah, they, they didn't want to watch Bad guys are cooler. Well yeah. again, that goes back to my idea that the cool thing about Star Wars is the Jedi. If you take Jedi out, it's just you know, it's a space movie. <laughs> and sci-fi western back yeah. to, to what you said um, about having people together just have a different opinion that's what The Walking Dead is I mean yeah. you have your villains the mm-hmm. walkers but you get humans together and they'll still go to at each other's throats because they, they think what they're doing is right and you think what you're doing is right because right. on, on one hand if you look at his point of view like the governor wasn't necessarily a bad guy he mm-hmm. was just trying to protect his people his Place was fine until Rick's group showed exactly. up. Exactly. Like showed up. What I, I, I always go back to and say, in the zombie apocalypse, what's going to kill you is not a zombie, it's some no, other moron no. that you're with. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's how you're going to go down, let's be honest. Yeah. And, and on that note, I, I don't know what's going to come of, of Civil War, but if, if it's done right, I think there will be casualties. Yeah. I hope so. I, I really hope so. honestly hope so. I, I mean, we well. are, we already know that we're going to see Captain America and, and and Iron Man again, not for a while, not until the end of Phase 3 with Infinity Wars 2. Mm-hmm. So we know it's not going to be either one of them. Or it could be. I mean, because we know how the outcome of Civil War ended up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, with the death of Captain Let's America. Let's be honest. We're talking comic book logic and you have Infinity, <laughs> Infinity Stones <laughs> in the mix. Yeah. Yeah. Reality Stone can change exactly. everything in so, a second. But, so whoever I, dies I, is coming I back. Do, I do think, and on Bill's note, hope, we're going, as sad as it may be, we're going to see some casualties. We know it's not going to be... We know it's ones. not going to be Ant-Man mm. because Ant-Man's got Ant-Man and Wasp coming up. Here's hoping for Hawkeye. Here's hoping for... No, I'm just... Aww, I love Aww. Hawkeye. Poor Clint. I love Hawkeye even though he's on the wrong side. He's Aww. on the, he's no, on the right side. Like that. No. He's on the right side. But I mean, Batman versus Superman, we know everybody pulls together at a point to face the big bad, whether that's yes. being Lex or Doomsday or however we're going to look at it, or looking to the future for Darkseid. Yeah. We know that's coming. We all know right. it's and coming. And I hope that's, I mean, like as dumb as it sounds, I hope that's what Civil War is. In the end, they go, we were being manipulated. There's the real bad guy. I heard yeah. it's actually going, this movie is going to have consequence for the rest of Phase 3. Well, yeah, of course it will. So, I mean, of course it will. Contracts end after this movie, buddy. Yeah. The almighty dollar rules all. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, 
<laughs> so we can see Tony and Cap out on this one because both of their contracts we know wrap up on yeah. the would, would No, that... they don't. They end on uh, Infinity War. No, but no, this is the last time we're going to see Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But until Infinity War. Until then. But with Batman versus Superman, that's more of a realization of the Dark Knight Returns. Mm-hmm. Epic right. fight. And between. again, and we, we know that from comic fans, yeah. but again, too, we look at Batman versus Superman, and everybody can agree, these are the two biggest iconic yes. heroes in the lexicon of heroes. And right. Superman should win. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, no, no, we're not going to do this. I'm sorry. All things being equal, Superman wins in two seconds. Yes. Yeah, okay. But we're not, <laughs> we're not going to But what, what, I, what I liked about the, the premise <laughs> I when I first heard it, because, you know, Man of Steel took so much shit and rightfully so for the final battle scene which wrecked everything and just made it you know it was, oh, it was wrecked before pain. the final battle scene but, but the, the real pain in the ass i mean two cretonians fighting and destroying an entire Sorry, city what i like about the premise of batman versus superman because it starts with bruce wayne you know addressing that so it's like great the thing i hated most about men of steel Batman hated too. It's a course correct. Exactly. Yeah. So that's, but I thought, you know, when the Man of Steel was a standalone movie, not knowing that the whole Justice League was on the horizon, I thought, are they ever going to address that? They just, Superman just laid waste to Metropolis like this? But <laughs> the fact that Batman said, yeah, I saw it, and that, that was horrible. That was shit. Someone's got to do something about this guy. That's what I, to me, it's not hero versus hero, it's morality versus morality. Thank you. Of, yeah. Yes. Yeah. It, it's, it, it's, it, it's, I'm excited about it, but I hope that they're, the marketing behind it is not giving the wrong message. Yeah. And I'm hoping when these movies come out that people understand that. Mm. Well, the marketing has even been a little confusing, too, because the first trailer that was revealed for Batman vs. Superman made it look as if Superman was the hero and Batman was the villain. Mm-hmm. And then, and then the next trailer it. came out, flipped it around. Batman was the hero, Superman was the villain. Yeah. I thought that was kind of brilliant, actually. That is yeah. actually really smart. And it's, about that. Like it's, it's beautiful, because we break down this entire conversation as we wrap this up. Hmm. Um, that really all this conversation about is thinking in the gray and not the black and white. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's what all this is really about. And while it's difficult for, it's going to, I, we can all, I think, agree, it may be difficult for some kids out there to understand mm-hmm. why this is happening. I think one of the best stories we heard was going back to, we recorded DC Primetime last night, and we got to hear a story from one of the other people that was on and joining us of taking their kid to Man of Steel. And their kid fell asleep in the movie and woke up just in time to see Superman break somebody's neck. Yeah. And we're talking an eight-year-old kid. Mm. And how do you explain that to them if somebody dies in this film and it's at their hands of another Avenger or Batman or Superman? Superman. And that's a tricky thing to address. But again, as I I had mentioned to TJ, too, I I think that audience is so small that it's it's really... It's the same audience I have to explain to you know, Bambi looking at his mom, where's dad? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Or Nemo, like, what happened to mom? (laughs) Or Simba, kind of like, oh, crap. And well, to be honest, it's every Disney movie. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's the same ideas and the same stories. Exactly. So, uh, well, like I said, it's been a fun episode, but we have to wrap things up. And the way we wrap up every episode is with our traditional Mary Fuck Kill. <sighs> and this week, we decided we were going to tackle Ghostbusters. But we're not, like I said, the way that we handled a couple other things in the past, it's not the characters from Ghostbusters you would expect. Because if you're going to ask me to choose three of the Ghostbusters after loving all four of them for so long to choose three of them. I can't do that. So the best way I can come up with an answer to this question is tonight's MFK is Janine, the secretary, Lewis Tully, played by Rick Moranis, and Dana Barrett from Scorny Weaver. I would have put Walter Peck from the EPA in, but I didn't think that was the wisest <laughs> move. So I'm going to start off tonight with Ben. Oh, crap. 
All right. So I was originally going to go with a space ball joke and say you 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 screw Rick Moranis because he's got a big helmet. Um, <laughs> but I'm not going to go that route. I'm going to stick to Ghostbusters. So with that being said, um, I'm going to kill off Lewis just because. Oh, I know, I know, I know. It's just he's just so squirrely. I, I don't know. Um, that being said, uh, I'm going to go TJ's route as he had mentioned before. You fuck Janine. Janine from Ghostbusters 2. Because then it's she looks a little better. And of course you got to marry Dana because she's got a stocked kitchen. So you know she can cook for you. And I know that sounds sexist. In the kitchen exactly. Too. So she's got a portal in the kitchen. <laughs> she has, I mean, granted she's got hell dogs as pets, but... But if you go with Ghostbusters, either Ghostbusters, she's also got a fantastic apartment. She does. She's got a great apartment. Penthouse apartment in New York. That's hard to find, man. Yes. I mean, granted, if you go Ghostbusters 2, Hopefully she's rent got... controlled. <laughs> I mean, granted, if, if you go Ghostbusters 2, she's got a kid, but you can deal with that. So. Fair enough. TJ, you're next. Yeah, I'm going to be really boring because I'm just going to pick <laughs> Give me your reasons why, though, because they may be slightly different. I kind of stole one of his Lu- reasons. Yeah, Lewis is just annoying, so I'm going to shove him in front of the first bus I can find. Oh. Um, probably driven by Slimer. Yeah. Um, again, Janine in Ghostbusters 2 was just insane. So, yeah, of course I'm going to fuck her. And Dana Barrett has great apartments. Cat, <laughs> you're up. Alrighty, um, I'm going to do it completely different. Um, uh, I love Rick Moranis, even though he's squirrely, and so I'm going to marry Lewis, and then I'm yes, going to some. fuck Janine. <laughs> <laughs> and um, this okay, is going to be very, very weird, because I know a lot of me, like, I like Sigourney Weaver in other movies, loved her as Ripley, stuff like that. But she really annoyed me in Ghostbusters, so I would kill her. I guess. Now, now if we were talking, I mean, I already said I would marry Dana Barrett, but if we were talking Sigourney Weaver from Galaxy Quest, oh, Janine, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Amy Potts and Sigourney Weaver would be swapped in a heartbeat. Oh, yeah. Craig, you're up. <laughs> oh, well, I have to kill Rick Moranis because he's a dude. I'm not going to fuck or marry him. Um, and that's nothing. To, uh, shout out to all my gay friends out there. It's nothing personal. I just wouldn't do it. Um, I would... Um, I would not fuck Dana Barrett because I would not marry Dana Barrett because she's got a kid. So I would uh, f her, and then I would uh, I'd marry Janine. I'd marry Annie Potts in a second. Kill Rick Moranis and fuck. Uh, Dana. Nope. So so we're gonna kill Dana Barrett yeah. because you know she does have that weird portal to hell and. But she floats three feet above the bed. Exactly. And that's another reason you kill her. High that's problems. a little creepy. Yeah. Um, you, you, you fuck Janine from Ghostbusters. One, because she's got the glasses. Glasses are hot. Glasses she's got are, the glasses, glasses in Ghostbusters two. two. So, both of them. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> two one, two for one. And, then, and then you marry Lewis. Why? Wow. Why do you marry Lewis? Yes, because man. he's an accountant. He's got a stable job. He can do your taxes. He can make sure you get all those loopholes. He throws great parties, although it's with his clients. But he's saving because he writes it off as a tax break. That's so It's got an additional exchange order. That blue thing I got from her. And he also has a great apartment because it's right across from Dana's. And right across from Gene Kaysen, too. Yeah, well. We never see his, uh, his apartment in the second movie. No. Well, he's already living with uh, well, he's he's upgraded by to then. a mansion. <laughs> he's a high press lawyer at that point. Yes. There you go. <laughs> no, he went to night school, which helps because they got arrested at night. <laughs> All right. 
So for me, I'm going to kill Dana Barrett wow. as well. Wow. Because, uh, well, I'm going to put it this way. Does anybody remember her O face when she's floating in the air and like Zul is in her and it's that little like creepy like neck thing that's going on? That kind of that's enough. I yeah, know. but that was more Zul than she Dana. also turned. Remember, there and, was no Dana. I, I know, <laughs> I know there there is no Dana, only Zul. But still, I'm just trying to fit in as many as I can. No, I know. <laughs> so you Ultimately, Dana. you know, I, I just can't because. Peter McNichol was really creepy, and she was falling in that direction yeah. for a while in part two. And let's yeah. be honest, yeah. Janos, <laughs> the best. Not, guy. not, not, not quite the. If if that's where she's going towards, uh, you, you got to steer clear. So you kill her, get that out of the situation now. So it leaves me to Janine and Lewis, and I think you fuck Lewis. Because he's a very giving person. He really cares about his clients. He, even think about it. Even as a neighbor. I turned up my TV really high, too, because I didn't want to think that anything was going on with yours. And I wanted to make you think the entire apartment think your TV's really loud. Mine, maybe there's a problem going on with the cable. He's a really considerate person. He's a considerate neighbor. It's a, a good, good fuck. That's... He's a stalker. He's a good neighbor. Yeah. And Not he, a stalker, he, just a really nice guy. It's, yeah. just, it's just taken out of context. That's yes, all. That's all. And, he won a and you marry Janine because you know what? In the goddamn animated series, nobody's brought up. She is a damn, damn Ghostbuster. Yes. Actually, in the comics, she's a Ghostbuster too. Yes, Done. That's why. Now I what? Now too. what would have been? What would this have been if the MFK was um, Zul, Virgo, and Stay Puff? God. Well, that's pretty easy. So <laughs> no, no, hold on, hold on. I think that's you kill a, Vigo that's immediately. Hold on, I think, that's a, I think that's a question for another time. That should actually yeah, we'll leave, leave it that, for later. We'll leave yeah. that. We'll you know we'll leave that for the week that Ghostbusters, the month that Ghostbusters there you go. reboot comes out. Idea. We'll tackle that one then. <laughs> so this was episode twenty-five of the Gapping Crewcast of Pods. Uh, as always, we have to say a big, huge thank you to DJ Cutman and Game Chopper Records for our music. And as we finish up every show, we kick around the table, find out what everybody's working on at this point in time, and I'll start with Kat. Books. Books. Many books. <laughs> you are writing many books. You have a book many, currently many books. Nomi- uh, in a nomination running right now. Or... At Romance Reviews, yeah, Soul Solution. It's a paranormal romance. Uh, where can people jump on and vote for that? The RomanceReviews.com. RomanceReviews.com. It's Soul Solution. That's listed under the uh, romance paranormal section for romance. Paranormal Romance. Yeah, so if you can go on there and vote for that, that would be fantastic. <laughs> uh, I missed my bi-weekly schedule for Spandex and Cape because of some family things, but I will be back next uh, this coming Sunday, and we'll go back to two weeks. Uh, so Spandex and Capes will have three weeks, and then go bi-weekly again. Yay. Ben, what are you working on? Uh, nothing but podcasts at the moment. I'm working <laughs> in a upgraded home studio, which is pretty awesome. Uh, and of course, you and I do DC Primetime together, which this past one that we did yesterday so far is the highest rated podcast on the network right now out of five podcasts, which is fucking amazing. In 24 hours is the highest rated podcast. I know you and I are both stoked about that It was right a now. fun episode. And I mean, it's only been 24 hours. I can't wait to see where it goes from here over the next couple of weeks. Um, but yeah, uh, Next Level Podcast Network, nextlevelradioonline.com, and on Twitter at NXT Level Radio, Facebook.com, uh, slash Next Level Radio Online. You can catch all, any of the five podcasts that we're currently doing right now. And I think Caffeine Crew is going to be getting backed up on there soon, too. So pretty soon. Caffeine Crew could be joining the Next Level Radio Network. Yes. <laughs> so, and as well as some other podcasts between now and the end of the summer. And we're going to, we're heading into convention season, too. So we're going to be doing a lot of con coverage with, 
uh, Great Philadelphia Comic Con, Wizard World Comic Con, Atlantic City Boardwalk Con, Heroes and Villains, uh, Brickfest. There's uh, there's a ton You've of them lots. coming out. Yeah, a lot. <laughs> How about you, Craig? What's going on for you, man? Uh, this Saturday, I'll be appearing at Philly Comics and Cosplay Day at Twenty uh, Second and Spruce uh, Trinity uh, Church. Uh, it's the first ever Philly Comics and Cosplay Day. I'll be hosting my own panel on the role of Batman in today's society. Um, I, I, unfortunately, you both had prior commitments, but you, you let the record show that these Rob and, and Ben were the first two people I asked to be on my panel. Unfortunately, I had to replace them with Rockstar Rob from WMMR and Steve Morrison will be on my panel uh, this Saturday talking about the role of Batman in today's society. Could Batman really exist now in the world of social media? What kind of, how would he be received as a hero or a villain? And I'm also going to be hosting my own pop culture uh, trivia game show uh, that day. Uh, so if you'd like to come on down, it's only 10 bucks to get in. Kids under 12 get in free. Philly Comics and Cosplay Day uh, this Saturday, March 19th. April 15th, I'll be doing at the 5-Minute Follies. It's a cosplay. It's a var- I do a variety show once a month. I do my uh, a star in a variety show. But this one is a cosplay variety show. So anyone can dress up and do whatever costume they want and do whatever talent they have in costume. That's in April, April 15th. May 13th, you're all invited, Friday, May 13th, to see my one-man show called My Life in 19 Inches. You're bringing that back? I'm bringing it back. Oh, I'll be awesome. there. Because, I'll be not only that, I'm bringing, it's my, my journey from puberty to adultery, uh, being a, a television addict. 40 years in life of a TV addict. It starts in the 70s and goes all the way up to now. Because I finally found it, the, the clip from when I was on MTV's remote control. 1990 with Adam Sandler, Ken Ober, Colin Quinn. So that you have to look forward to Friday, May 13th. So this Saturday, March 19th, Philly Comics and Cosplay Day, April 15th, uh, Five Minute Folly Cosplay, and Friday, May 13th, My Life in 19 Inches. And I, and I highly recommend the My Life in 19 Inches. I've heard awesome. nothing but great things from a lot of people who've seen it. I've never been able to go. I will be there this time. <laughs> I will be there this time. Phil, how about you, Ben? Uh, well, Ben, you mentioned Great Philadelphia Comic Con, which has been just been uh, blowing up on Facebook with the number of guests that they're mm-hmm. getting. John uh, Wesley Ship from The Flash. Uh, from the original I, Flash. And I saw the one that really stuck out at me. Actually, two of them that stuck out at me. Tom Paris mm-hmm. uh, from Star Trek Voyager. And, uh, oh, God, what's his name? Harry Kim from Voyager as also, well. I think Were they just added? Yes. Okay. I think Salvador LaRocca, too. Amazing comic book artist, too. That is his... His artwork is gorgeous. Amazing green uh, Green Lantern work. You definitely need to check him out. Uh, and for me, like I said, uh, we're in the process of revitalizing Caffeine Crew. Uh, we're getting ready to try to start gearing up some stuff. We mentioned uh, we're going to be trying to move some of our stuff over towards the next level uh, network and uh, joining into that fray. And we'll continue hosting as well uh, at CaffeineCrew.com as well. And we're building towards kind of bringing more writers uh, adding more stuff, more Wicked Fair coverage will be coming up this week, which will probably be the end of the Wicked Fair coverage that we'll be doing. And again, DC Primetime that we mean and Ben and Craig has been on and TJ has been on, um, that we record every Sunday. That is always a blast to do. Make sure you check out last night's episode that we recorded that's found over at nextlevelradioonline.com and always head over to packingcrew.com. You can always find us on Twitter and the Facebooks and Tumblr and you can always reach out to us if you ever want to bring something up, have an MFK that you would like us to cover, you can hit us up on any of those areas and you can always hit us on email at thecaffingcrew at gmail.com. 
And again, that was episode 25, and this is the, again, February and March episode. We apologize for the lack of an episode last month. But we gave them an extended podcast. We did. And we're not going bi-monthly or anything like that. (laughs) We'll be back again in April. We'll see you then. Thank you guys so much. Craig, thank you for joining us. Ben, always a pleasure. TJ, Bill, Cat, always a wonder. And we'll see you guys next month. Bye, everybody.